This is Review and Preview on the Wave, the sound of LIU. Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview, folks, here on the LIU Post campus in Brookville, New York. A quick reminder, you can watch us on Facebook tonight. Our podcast will be up on anchor.fm slash review and preview. And Facebook watchers, if you're listening, we are not taking calls tonight. So 516-299-2030 will not be working. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And yes, if you want to take part in our live show, you can comment on our Facebook video and chat with us. We'll be happy to chat back. Um, okay, so baseball. First of all, I'm your host, Tom Segveta. Join alongside Mike Dawes. Welcome back. It's been a while. It has. It's been like three, four weeks. It's been a long, long time. Yes, we are happy to have you back behind the board. Kyle Earhart, welcome back as well. Kyle Russo, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. I've been here. <laughs> You're still here. I'm still here. And we're happy to have everyone here. So, speaking of guys being back, you know, why did I mention that when I introduced you guys? Well, Travis Darno is also back for the New York Metropolitans. Uh, I was at his return game on Sunday in the dreadful 12-9 to loss, which... I think the Mets were trailing 12-1 to at one point in this game. Uh, and I said this from the beginning. The only reason why I went to this game was to get the bobblehead, which I forgot at home, sad, sadly. Uh, <laughs> we were actually going to bring it, put it up here on the show tonight. But, uh, yeah, Travis returns in this loss. He uh, pinch hit in this game. Zach Wheeler just went four and two-thirds. What's wrong with the Zach attack right now, guys? Mike? I mean, he is just not hitting the spots right now. I mean, he's pitching, I believe, right now as we speak. Not sure how that's going. But, you know, very disappointing start to the season for Zach Wheeler, who ended, you know, tremendously. Yeah. I um, think it's just him showing his true colors. I mean, obviously, you know. How dare you. What he, what he had the second half of the season was absolutely incredible. His numbers were, I believe, the same as the Groms for the second half, not necessarily the entire season. But before that, Zach Wheeler was one of those guys that wasn't even was he even on the opening day roster? No, he started the season in AAA last year. Exactly, he was a guy that was shaky to begin with, and he proved himself. He worked his way up, and he deserved the roster spot this year after what he did for the second half last year. But I mean, he's just not been good right now. I know his first start was horrific. It was Kyle Earhart. Uh, this game was awful. Uh, the Mets walked in at least three runs. Wheeler walked in at least one. Peterson who came out of the bullpen was horrendous when Peterson was actually one of the better ones for a time last year. And now what's going on with this bullpen? I mean, it seems like it's really hit or miss, and Diaz is really the only consistent guy out of there. Yeah, I mean, hit the nail on the head. Henry's Familia has been borderline average at best. Uh, Lugo has been hit or miss, but usually a miss. Uh, the only start I can think of was opening day where he struck out the side, and ever since then he's been terrible. Mm-hmm. This Mets, I know the Mets are what eight and four right now, first in the NL East. Congrats after twelve games, but uh, thank you. But uh, like, like this bullpen hasn't been good at all. The, the, the pitching as a whole, I think I know it's early. We can't really, you know, it's it's still twelve games in, but the pitching has been 
definitely on the lower side to start the season. Well, Zach Wheeler walked seven batters in four and two-thirds innings. That's unacceptable. He gave up as many walks as he did runs and hits in his start. Or runs. He had more walks than he gave up hits. He only gave up four hits in this game, seven runs, seven walks, just two Ks. Oh, it gets better. Tim Peterson, five walks in an inning and a third. Twelve walks. That's hard to do. For the Mets. And fun fact, Mike. Ooh. Do you know that the Mets out-hit the Nationals in this game? 11-8. That's sad. And Max Scherzer got his first one of the season, finally. Um, Scherzer's been struggling as well. So, something to keep in mind there. Um, This was a good game for Alonso and Conforto, though. Both hit a couple of home runs. Um, And then the Mets were off again on Monday. I mean... Kyle, what are your thoughts on the Mets having three off days this early in the season? I mean, it, it was maybe nine, ten days. You have three off days? Three? I mean, it, it, it's April, so you're, you're going to get more off days than what you in September or June. But uh, if, if you're the Mets, you kind of want to save those off days for later in the season as in September or July or August, you know? And uh, this year I think they, they've given out the most off days to every team, like, because, like, they started the season in, what, late March? Yeah, the, uh, to, the last couple of days of March. Yeah, to extend uh, the amount of off days. So, see a lot of teams, especially in April, like you said, a lot of off days. Yeah. That's one thing that is for sure. The Mets are getting a lot of those to start the regular season. Um, this week, it was kind of skeptical. Uh, the Mets, a what was it, a two-game homestand against the Twins? Or uh, two home games against the Twins after the weekend series, and I believe they split the series. Tuesday night, Degrom um, had his first bad start in over a year, and I'm not gonna say this was bad. I'm gonna say congratulations, congratulations, because if this is your first bad start in over a year, what did he have? Like 36 consecutive quality starts. Where he gave up three runs or less? Yeah, he uh, yeah. tied Bob Gibson. If you could ever tie Bob Gibson and everything, he did something right. Yeah, I mean they had the lowered amount because of this guy. So if you could do anything like Bob Gibson, that's a win. The exact number is thirty-two consecutive quality starts. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he only won half of those, but <laughs> you least. get the point. Um, I mean, he's human after all. I mean, he can't. He, he uh, he's been amazing the whole year. Yeah, and and listen, in this star for Degrom, it's. I mean, I watched this game because I was interested to see what he was going to be able to do. This was not his fault. It's half his fault. This was Darno too. Darno was horrible defensively. He was horrible. It, it, I mean, I can't say it in any other word. I don't understand why this guy is still on the team, to be honest with you. With the amount of injuries that he's had and the lack of offense that he provides for the team and the fact that he's streaky defensively as a catcher, I don't know why he's starting with this team. I don't know. I'll tell you why, because the alternative would be Devin Masaraco. But is that such or, a bad option? Or Thomas Nito. Or Th- Thomas Nito's a way worse option. Well, Thomas Nito with Devin Masaraco. I mean, you had him the second half last season, and he was arguably your best hitter Guys, during look, that time I, period. I have to share a name with the guy, so I'm not really thrilled. <laughs> Uh, you know how my feelings are about that. But um, why? What makes Travis – if you had to say one thing that makes Travis Darno so awful and pitiful of a Major League Baseball player, what would it be? And this question's open to everybody. I think just defense. You know, like the guy can barely throw to second base. As he, he did the other night, 
but he can't he can't catch people out stealing. Uh, Ramos hasn't had a good year with it either, but like Ramos in in his career Ramos makes up for really it up. offensively. Yeah, he does. He he's been the Mets' best consistent hitter to start he the year. He has been. But Darno just isn't good defensively, and his bat isn't good enough to stay in the lineup. Yeah, if Darno could hit 260, 270, which is not even asking a lot, if he can hit 15 home runs a year, he would be a major leaguer for life, but he can't do that. Nope. So he is bad at defense, bad at offense, and I don't know how you stay on a major league roster when you're bad at both. Bad at baseball. He's just bad at baseball. That is a, a correct statement. Bad at your profession. Just go to the Long Island Ducks. With yeah. uh, the rest of the old Mets. And yeah, you got Jonathan Neese there now, Matthew Dendecker. Kirk Neuenheis. Kirk Neuenheis as well. <laughs> it's just, Captain Kirk's on the yeah, on Kirk the Kirk Neuenheis. Yeah, yeah. forget with Kirk Matt Neuenheis. Upper Decker as his Twitter name was. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a good one. That's actually a good one. Um one of the bright spots for the Mets. Peter Alonso had another two home run game. I think that was on Tuesday. Uh he's the first player. Since 1900, none of you watching this Facebook video were born in 1900, I would hope. Um, but he's the first player since 1900 in the modern MLB era with 11 extra base hits in his first 10 games. That was as of Tuesday. And the Mets come back the following night to beat the Twins behind Alonzo, Conforto's three RBIs, McNeil, and a pretty solid outing by Syndergaard because, quite frankly, a good thing Syndergaard went seven innings because this bullpen has been burnt. And we're not even two weeks. Well, now we're two weeks into the season as of yesterday. Yeah, no, this bullpen is bad, like we said earlier. Yep. Um, Yeah, and another concern for the Mets, I will say, um, is Brandon Nimmo. Now, that's changed a little bit tonight as he's had some success. I believe he hit uh, a two, home run? Yeah, two yeah. home run. But this is the change that needed to come. They moved Nimmo out of the leadoff spot down to the eight hole, which, quite frankly, that's where he belongs right now until he gets his back going. Then you can consider moving him back up. But Jeff McNeil, a guy that you brought up a couple of days ago, how maybe he should be their leadoff hitter. He gets hits. Gets hits. He walks. That's what you want to and, start games. And honestly, you know who's been stepping up too lately and had a really quiet year so far, or a really quietly good year? Ahmed Rosario. He's slowly coming into his own. You saw last night with the three-run homer he hit. Just his defense has been fantastic so far. And you, you would think Robbie Cano, uh, Robbie Cano tutoring him and mentoring him is clearly helping him out, even though Cano's not having that good of a start of the year. Right, um, with the exception of opening day. Look, I'm yeah. not surprised. A lot of people forget Rosario had a pretty darn good second half of 2018. Everybody thinks, oh, he was so dreadful in the beginning. Guys, he's a spring chicken. He, he, he was, what, 22 years old? Yeah, he's still young, too. Now, now he's 23? Come on, he's our age. Like, I mean, this guy's a kid. Yeah. Le- le- leave him alone. I think he's their future shortstop. Without a doubt. Oh, for sure. Uh, Wilson Ramos has been fantastic getting hits, even in bad games. He's still getting hits. And last night, the Mets did it, or not last night, excuse me, two nights ago, striking out Freddie Freeman to end the game. No, you're right. It was last night. It was last night? It was night. last night, yes. Bottom of the ninth inning, two runners on. They beat the Braves, Stephen Matz. Let's talk about Stephen Matz here for a second. Kyle Rousseau, Stephen Matz, product of Ward Melville High School, about maybe 45 minutes away from the LIE Post campus. Local kid, 
he and Wheeler have basically swapped places. Matt's is now becoming the Mets' third best pitcher. What, yeah. do, you, what do you think about that? I think that's a good thing. I mean, because it, it shows. I mean, you were talking about it, how early in the uh, season, well, obviously early in the season, 12 games in, but how Matt's potentially is the third best pitcher in this rotation and not Wheeler. And, you know, that's come to fruition, especially after last night's game, which was close. That game, I was watching it last night, and in the eighth, seventh inning, they, it looked like they were going to blow that game. But Matt's pitched a beautiful game. I believe he pitched about 102 times, had about eight strikeouts. Correct. Six innings, two runs. That's, that's a great game. You can't ask for any more out of him. Yeah. Um, another thing, too, Alonzo's home run last night. You guys watch Alonzo's oh home run? Yeah. Right. In the water. bomb. In the water. Made a nice splash, too. Pond. Pond home run. Uh, that ball was cracked at 118 miles an hour. And the Mets will continue this four-game set against Atlanta over the weekend. Game two currently in progress. Kyle Earhart, do we have a score update on that? The Mets are up 2-1 to one by, as Dawes said, oh, 4-1 now. As Dawes said earlier, Nimmo hit a two-run homer and McNeil a two-RBI. Now, let's compare this 8-4 and four start to the Mets' 11-1 and one start last season. What's different? The Mets are scoring runs. They're not winning games 2-1, to 3-2. to two. Last night, they scored nine runs against an American League team. And now, what, what do they have, four already in this game? Yeah. In the fourth inning, too. I'll take it. Oh, now it's 5-1. to one. And oh. let me just say something real quick. It's no negativity against this Mets team at all because I know they're they're eight and four right now. I think you said Kyle. Yes, but without Pete Alonso in this lineup, they are they are not a good team. Pete Alonso has accounted for so much of their offensive production and so much to their wins over the course of these last twelve games. Without him in this lineup, I don't know where they stand standing wise. I hate to um, disprove your point, but the Mets have five runs tonight without Peter Alonso. Well, this is this one, one game. game. But, but Pete Alonso, six home runs. He's batting what three? I want to say around three. I think, I think it's three seventy-eight. Yeah, three seventy-eight right now. And and to bring up your point earlier in the year, you said how the Mets shouldn't call Pete Alonso. Today would actually be the day where the Mets could call him up and not get the year. But obviously, and Pete Alonso was not playing tonight. Also so. in the lineup, he's not in the lineup tonight. We just said that. Oh. <laughs> this is review and preview, folks. Here on Facebook Live tonight and. Talk about Dom Smith making the most of his very limited opportunity so far. He's starting to turn into a halfway decent bench player for this team. Yeah, and um, you know he's, he's, he's he's coming up clutch, which is weird because he stunk last year. <laughs> and I mean, he's turning into like a contact hitter, which is great to be honest, because he wasn't really doing much of the power part. Mm-hmm. So you know, anything to get him productive is a good thing. And it's and it's weird because you know he was a top prospect the Mets had and it's weird because you, you usually players your top prospect you don't like sitting on the bench he's actually embraced the bench role which is very good to see you know as if you, you don't want like play like oh I'm pissed I'm sitting on the bench no he's, he's embraced it and when Alonzo hit that homer the other night he was the first one to hug him so obviously he's very supportive of his teammates which is always great to see it is great to see and what else is great to see is Peter Alonzo's stat line through the first two weeks of the season which we will go over at this time Peter Alonzo First two weeks of his MLB career, six home runs, 17 RBIs, 17, yeah, 378 average, 17 hits as well. Yeah. And to be quite frank with you, he's among the league leaders. He is among 
the league leaders. In home uh, runs? Both categories, Kyle. In RBIs, too? Yeah. He ranks second. He is tied for second with Chris Davis of the A's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which Chris Davis? Of the A's. Um, Chris with a K. Um, Crush second Davis. in RBIs in baseball. Crush Davis. Second, Kyle Russo. And he is only two behind the leader, which is Cody Bellinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we want to talk about home runs, well, he's tied for third in home runs. Behind, Chris Davis with a K. Cody Bellinger and former Met Jay Bruce. Wow. Who's also batting like 200, by the way, with like nine home runs. Yeah. Eight well, home runs. Probably was like 10 hits. Eight of them are home He does have 10 hits. <laughs> <laughs> that's unbelievable. Oh, Mike. Uh, uh, we missed you, Mike Dawes. Um, but yeah, Mets are up six to one now. Oh, my goodness. The Mets are really. You know what? Can someone Google World Series tickets? Enough is enough. I'm like, sorry, let's, but let's we're in April. The Mets make that yeah, mistake yeah, every yeah. year. Every <laughs> we went 11 to 1 last year. Yeah, that one started being out. I will never learn. This is a four run fourth inning currently in progress. And what's pretty impressive is Zach Wheeler so far has had a very good night on the mound. Which is good. For the Mets. If the Mets can get Zach Wheeler going, man, they have the four headed monster back. This could be. Da- I'm telling you, this team. Are you, make the wild are you card. disrespecting Jason Vargas? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good idea. He's a 90 RA. Not great. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> um, but look, this thing, too, you got to consider Todd Frazier is on his way back. He could return as early as early next week. Jed Lowry, possible for the end of April, we hope. Uh, and then you start to think this team gets a little bit crowded. Who go? Who stays? Who goes? I think you or may goes when Frazier comes back. Then you got to make a decision. Will you send down Dom Smith or Juan Lagares? It's got to be Juan Lagares. It's got to be Juan Lagares because be. the backup outfielder is Broxton. The backup catcher is Darno, and then you got JD Davis, who you're not sending down. He's Fra- at, he's been quietly good this year too, Tom. He's, he's come oh, yeah. up in the clutch a few times. Great acquisition. Yeah. Where, where did he play last year? Does anybody know? Astros, I think. Was it the Astros? A ben, probably a, what was he, a bench player for Houston? Yes, you're right. Three for three. Yeah, <laughs> three for three. Don't get too ahead of yourself now. I mean, look, he only, I'm going to say one thing. Like uh, His batting average isn't great for his career, but he's only 25 years old. So he's still a young gun. And um, and everyone's made fun of Brody Van Wagenen, but these signings have paid off. Davis so far has been really good. Keon Broxton has been oh, yeah. at everything the Mets could ask for this early on in the season. Uh, so the small signings Van Wagenen has made has been very impressive so far. Mike, we need your win prediction for the Mets on the season. You know, if you asked me before the season, I would have said about 82. But now, adjusting it, 88. Excellent work, Mike. All right. So we um, we transitioned from Queens to the Bronx. Currently in progress with the Bronx. One of my friends actually at this game. Um, the Yankees are leading, I assume, right? Uh, who are they playing? Seattle tonight? White Sox. Chicago. White Sox. They're playing the Chicago White Sox. But the Yankees come into this game second in the American League East at 5-7. Five 5-7, and seven. Five and seven, I repeat. Um, look, the good things that have happened for the Yankees so far have turned into bad things. Perfect example. Gary Sanchez. Starts out awful, throwing people out, hitting. Then he has a three-home run game against the Orioles at 26 years old. Gary Sanchez becomes the youngest player in Yankees history with a three-home run game since Bobby Mercer on June 24, 1970, versus Cleveland. The Yankees won that game 15-23. to 
15 to 23. 15 to 3. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Speaking of the Yankees, just gave up that lead they just had to the White Sox. 5 to 5 now. Oh, Yonder Alonso, two run homer. Kyle Russo. <laughs> Sanchez is now hurt. Explain. Explain. <laughs> this team is decimated Left by cap This is. This is one of the most injured teams I think I've ever seen. Oh, get out of here. This team is injured at every single position. The Yankees get hurt for the first time ever, and they're crying with, like, a little violin. Are you kidding me? It's not a little violin. (laughs) Their their one strength into the season was supposed to be their bullpen, and their bullpen is atrocious. The one strength on the Yankees right now is the guy you counted out, DJ LeMahieu, hitting at 439 and two for two on the night. He gets on base. Fun fact. He gets on base. And you said, I don't want him to start. He's going to come off the bench. I thought, and he would be if if, like if players wouldn't be hurt. If players didn't get hurt, he'd be coming off the bench because Nduhar would be starting at third. And who's this Ursula guy playing at third tonight? Who is that? I have no a... idea. I have no you idea. Clint Fla- you got Clint, Clint Flavor. Oh, my goodness. Clint, <laughs> Clint Frazier. Fla- is a bad rapper. Um, and, yeah. Look, I mean, you got, and you still got a decent lineup if you're the Yankees. You got Brett Gardner, Aaron Judge, Luke Voigt, who's... Not had a good start to the season. No, he's been bad. He's been he's hit a couple homers, but other than that, not much going. Glaber Torres is hitting cleanup. I'm sorry, Glaber Torres is hitting cleanup. Yeah, but he's looked. He's, he's, been he's great, probably though. been the most consistent besides he's their DJ. Best player. Yeah, he has. He's, he's their been best great. player. Greg Bird is hitting fifth Greg over Lemayhu. Why? Because of a lefty righty thing. I, I I don't. I'm done with Greg Bird. I this team right now. I'm not going to get. It's you still got in. Greg Bird. He's it's your version games. of Dom Smith. He's. Yeah. Except, <laughs> yeah. The, except the problem is we give Greg Bird the start and you guys just bench Dom Smith, which is smart. But with this team, I'm not going to worry. We're 12 games in. It's a little scary to see that Severino, who was supposed to be coming back in May, is now not coming back till probably mid-June. Did you hear this? June, guy? July. Not going to worry? Not going to worry that J.A. Happ is getting bombed and four innings pitched, five runs, t- nine What did hits? I tell you? Last week when I was giving also, J.A. Also, Paxton not doing well so far. Now Paxton, he had one shaky start. It's okay. One it's against many. it's against Houston. It's against Houston. Got to beat that team if you're gonna make a World Series run. Oh, I'm sorry, but let me tell you something. You don't look good right now. No, they're trash. But, I'll, I'm but, willingly open to admit that they are garbage. If if you want to look at the bright side, the Red Sox are just as worse. That's what I'm saying. That's why and, I'm not worried. And and three and nine, three and ten, and three and nine. And as much as Tampa's getting off to a hot start like this. I don't, at least I don't see Tampa continuing this trend. I mean, Tampa's going to win 85-plus games, I think, again. They won 90 last year. I, th- I think they can win 85 again. But I, I I think the Yankees, once they get everybody back and healthy come May, May, June. Well, that's the thing. They're, not gonna, I, they're all not going to be healthy until July. Tam- Tampa Bay is a sleeper for the playoffs this oh, year. Oh, yeah. They are sure. I agree. I agree with that. If they're Look, if they're in the American League Central, they win it. Oh, yeah. Hands down over Cleveland. They, they have the best. They, they win it. They have the best starting pitcher in the AL East. They're one of the top five teams I wouldn't in doubt the American that. League. I don't doubt that. I think the pecking order right now is, I mean, Seattle, of course. Then Tampa. Then Tampa. Then Houston. Then Houston, and then Cleveland. See, then though, Cleveland. it's still early with Seattle, because you know, because you, you know, Houston's gonna eventually play well again. Like they have, they yeah. just want oh, the of course. I don't, yeah. I don't trust Seattle's pitching, but their batting is oh. Oh yeah, my God. Well, I'm sorry, but Tampa Bay's taking care of business on the road 6 nothing against Toronto. So I don't know what you're talking about when you're saying, oh, this team might not make the playoffs. I understand it's still April, but you got to put this team into consideration. No, without a doubt. Blake Snell almost came your back former, and won the Cy Young. Your former prospect, Billy McKinney, leading off for the race. <laughs> One of the guys you did not want to get rid of last season. I remember that. 
I didn't. I thought it was a bad trade, to be uh, honest with you. And you got Snell, and you got Glass now. Yeah. Glass that, now. That's the highlight. That is the Ooh. highlight. They traded Chris Archer in that trade and got Glass now. But um, so guys, it's still twelve games in. Like we still, we're not yeah, even a I'm quarter not, of the way through. I'm this not yeah, no, we so know. like, we're not we, even like an eighth of the way. Through I don't think the season. Yankees should panic yet. No, no, it, of course not. If, we're just if, saying. If this is still the consistency by mid-May, then yes, yeah, then a this is this is a problem. Then you got an that issue. Is correct, yeah. a problem. But you should be able to take this series. CC Sabathia makes his season debut tomorrow at 1:05 p.m. That's Eastern Standard Time. He'll be going up against. Is it Ivan Nova? I believe a former Yankee himself. Ivan Nova plays for. Are they playing Pittsburgh? Tomorrow? The White Sox. Ivan Nova plays for the White Sox. Oh, I thought he played for Pittsburgh. Yep. Yeah, he's six uh, five. Yeah, he's got a stellar seven seven one ERA. Oh, sorry. sorry. Good, good Snap build too. Good build. Yep. Uh, so yeah, the former Yankee going up against the current Yankee, and then Sunday you got Tanaka against Radon. Tanaka has been your ace so far, Kyle Russo. And he's been. Playing some of the best baseball in his entire career, yeah, to be honest he got with you. lit up by the Astros this week, but other than that, it, it's uh, it's been good. Not not really. There's nothing good about this team right now. They're very bad. For Tanaka. For Tanaka, individually, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> Tuesday night, Fra- Clint Frazier, DJ LeMahieu, Glaber Torres combined to go 0 for 12. 0 for 12. Nice stat there, Kyle. I like that. Um, and then Wednesday night... They get swept in the series by the Astros, losing 8-6. to six. Paxton um, might as well pack it in if he keeps it up at this rate. Uh, and you got Love Canley it. after Paxton throwing a dud. And now the Yankees this weekend, they have to win. They have to sweep these White Sox. In my, this this my, bullpen in is, is garbage. Chad Green is awful. Conley has been terrible. Chapman is not even playing. And when he did play, he blew a game in the ninth inning. Yep. And, and Adovino has been decent. He's been decent. But this team, they've been awful all, all around. Uh, there's really no bright spot with this team right now. Question, have they been awful? They've been garbage. They've, they've been, been pitiful. It's I love it. I'm having a great time. I, listen, I hope you enjoy. Oh, Have they been actual uh-oh. garbage? Uh-oh. No, they have. Yeah, they have been, really. They really have been. Listeners, do you think the Yankees have been garbage? Find out on Review and Preview. Wow, a replica Yankee jersey right there. Well, I had to do it because he did that about the Giants a oh, few yeah. months ago on the show. But that was a factual statement. The Giants were garbage. Well, they were well, the always Yankees, seven. The Yankees are pretty garbage. Well, they, yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, they're now losing seven, seven, seven to five. five. You know what? Just quit the season. Just go home. Get an early start on next J. week. J.A. Happ. J.A. Happ. J.A. I'm not even sure he's still in the game <laughs> at this rate. Uh, but anyway... No, they have Jonathan Alden. Here's the bright side. Here is the bright side, and I'll never think I'm saying this. you got the Red Sox coming to town in a week. I'm not even excited. It's going to be two garbage teams playing each other. Well, at this point, the biggest thing the Yankees have looking forward to over the next couple of weeks is the Bernie Williams bobblehead day. Yay. Because I love my bobble. No, this team is so bad. Yep. I agree with that. They are terrible. But let's talk about some of these injuries, Kyle Earhart. On the script, we have Aaron Boone said on the Mike Francesca show that Aaron Hicks, Dylan Patances, Giancarlo Stanton, light years away. 
forgot about Hicks. I don't think Hicks has played yet this year. He hasn't no, played. He's, no, no he's, he, he's on my fantasy team. He yeah, he's sitting yet. on your bench. That's correct. I have observed that at least five times now because when once you drop him, I will be all over that. Oh, I'm not dropping him. I'm, don't worry. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so there's no update on Enduhar. No update on him, which is a shame. Which he's probably still far away he, with his rotator cuff. Yeah, and then Se- Severino, grade two lat strain shutdown from throwing for the next six weeks. Uh, Kyle Russo. Yeah. When will you get anybody back? Anybody. Just one person. I really don't know. I really don't he know. He gets Sabathia back tomorrow. That doesn't there do anything. That gives senior. me four innings. CC and then Senior. That gives me four and a half, maybe five innings, and then the bullpen, which has been horrible, comes in. So, what do you think? Have we produced excellent work on the Yankees? We have produced factual content about the Yankees. Oh, and let's not forget about D.D. Gregorius. Oh, that's the most upsetting thing to me. Hold on. there, There's there's more. Of course. Ooh. Troy Tolowitzki. Well, you knew that well, was going to happen. That he, was just he's, a, he also stinks. That was such a waste of a signing. Such a waste of a – what did he get hurt? Five games into the season? Four games in? I mean, to be fair, it was Probably. a low-risk, high-reward type signing, and right now it's definitely been a risk. Uh, not a good signing. Kyle yeah. Russo, the player on your team with the most RBIs is hitting 196. Ouch. Imagine that. Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, Judge has been quietly terrible. Aaron, Ju- no, Aaron Judge is hitting two eighty nine, three home runs, seven RBIs, leads the team in eleven walks. Well, he gets walks, yeah, but, but he like had Judge. he had a quiet first week. That's what it is. He's starting to butt a little bit. Remember, Aaron Judge also young guy, just twenty six years old, Kyle Russo, and Giancarlo too. I don't, I have not heard any word. You know, him. at this point, they should just rename the Twin Towers to Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. But not if the Yankees keep playing like this. Nope. Those are some tall dudes. Oh, Mike, yeah. I think oh, they're yeah. taller than you, right? What are you, 6'4", 6'5"? 6'4". 6'5", on a good day. Today's not a good day. So I'm Today's four. not yeah, a good day. So I just say the same thing sometimes. Yeah, of course. Judge 6'7", Giancarlo 6'6", but yeah. Um, yes. So on that note, um, we will talk more Mets and Yankees next week. We will refrain from torturing our New York baseball teams any further. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk some MLB news. You're listening to Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo, Kyle Earhart, Mike Dawes is back. He's better than ever. You were gone for about a month. Yeah, I was supposed to be back last week with the NXT TakeOver. It was great, but good to be back. You, I'm sure you enjoyed WrestleMania. It was long. It was good. Yeah, super long. But yeah, no, it's fun stuff. Still, yep. I've only watched the pre-show. Dude, Tom, you it's gotta you gotta watch WrestleMania. Been a, the worst it's, been, it's been a crazy week. Well, I, I got to watch Braun Strowman win the bet. You know, I met Braun Strowman last year. I remember you said that baseball back in August. Game. Yeah, you yeah, remember that, right? That was awesome. Uh, the police department, fire department, he was whacking home runs out. Uh, a lot a lot of his home runs were borderline foul balls. You know, he got the shallow left field line, but, you know, there's still home runs. Uh, shout out Braun Strowman, if you're watching. We know you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> always watching. Well, you know, Bray Wyatt's always watching. But uh, MLB News. So, look, the Braves give their second baseman of my fantasy stud, Ozzy Albies, a seven-year, $35 million extension. That's that was hard to read. Only yeah. thirty five million. Oh. 
Yeah, his agent needs to be fired. But he came out with a statement today, and he said he doesn't care about the money. He just cares about the security of his family, which I respect, but good still. Guy. Yeah. That's I, a good guy, but still. Yeah. This could be, on paper, the worst deal a Major League Baseball player has ever signed. This is an extremely cheap extension. Well, that, that GM deserves GM of the year. To be honest with you, because not only I mean the Acuna deal too. The Acuna deal was great. Was it was cheap? It was really cheap. It was a lot more money, but this is it. His twenties are done. Like his twenties are going to be making mediocre money in Atlanta. Now, do you think in a few years, when you know he continues to be great, he will say, "Can I just get like you know, can I get an extension, some more money here?" And I think yeah, they'll have no problem with that. But after competing about, I mean, you got to remember seven years, so at least three, four years until his deal. Then he might ask, but. You get three, four years of Ozzy Albies for what is the math on that? Thirty-five divided by seven. Yeah, and the way five, five, five million, five million a year, five million. Yeah, but a year it's for not Ozzie even Albies. divided up like that. I think he gets one million this year, one million next year, and then it goes all the way up to seven for the previous. It's really an odd yeah. deal. Uh, I think what else is odd right now was uh, that brawl on Sunday in the Reds uh, Pirates Pirates game. game. Yeah. Uh, Chris Archer suspended five games for brawling against Yasiel Puig, the former Dodger. Puig got two games on the shelf. Uh, yeah, that that was disgusting. We were watching that on the Jumbotron during a break Sunday at the Mets game, and it, it was just not baseball. Yeah, Chris that's... Archer was getting mad because Derek Dietrich, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, yeah. hit two home runs, and on the second one he just stood at the plate and watched it go out of the park. I, that was... As a baseball truther, did not like that. Yeah, no. Like, just, just, just walk the first well, base, dude. Um, yeah. Um, other news: <laughs> Orioles Chris Davis uh, has the record, zero for forty-seven streak to start the season, breaking the record which was previously set, not in a good way, by Eugenio Valles for the longest hitless streak by a position player. We have a question here. So we know there's Chris Davis, who has an awful contract in Baltimore right now. Is his contract worse than Miguel Cabrera from Detroit, who has rapidly declined? Yeah. No, it's worse. It's 100% worse because Miguel Cabrera got paid for basically what he did, and that was to help Detroit win and and contend. I mean, this contract is just awful. This is really – Chris Davis, what was it, three, four years ago, won the home run derby Kyle Russo. like that. Kyle Russo. Yeah. Miguel Cabrera is 35 years old, making $28 million this year. At least he's hitting the ball. I mean, this is this is, this is is horrible. you got to feel for the guy, but still. All right, all right, Russo, then I'm going to play devil's advocate. They, you, you complain how – I'm going to bring this to football for a second. Don't you know where I'm starting an argument, but – you complain how Eli Manning has a high oh, contract oh, oh, for, and then you like for what he's done, but Miguel Cabrera, I know doesn't win NBA uh, MLB championships. Excuse me, but are, are you going to give him a contract for what he's done in the major leagues? You're going to give him a high contract like that? It's basically saying like Eli Manning. Here's the difference: with Detroit, they have no players around them to possibly contend. With the Giants, or at least they had players that could potentially help them contend and go far into the playoffs. That's why. That's the difference between the situations. Yeah, yeah but his contract is definitely worse than Davis, Chris Davis, like in, in my opinion, because now what, he think he still has five years left on that deal. Okay. Yeah, but he's going to retire, though. So let's, And they'll agree on a buyout. Let's please Kyle Russo here for a minute, because that's always a priority on Review and Preview. Is that correct? The Red Sox are beating the Orioles 3-2. to two. 
How is that pleasing? <laughs> but they they are four and nine, and uh, they they are still at the bottom of the AL East. That's pleasing for now. But the Yankees, I believe, are five and seven, right? Yes. Market is five and eight. You know they're already down two. And if the Red Sox hold on, they'll be five and nine. So there you go. <sighs> Battle of last place next week Ooh, at the stadium. Love it in the Bronx. Surprisingly, I don't know about surprisingly, but right now the Seattle Mariners are the best team in baseball. They are the right best now. Team in baseball, right now. Why? Is it Jay Bruce hitting all those home runs? Did they? Were they the real winners in that trade? I mean, Anthony Swarzak, it's, it's still pretty good it's so still far as closer. Franchise records set by the Mariners, a 15th straight game where they've hit at least one dinger. I one mean, home run. They have been 15. bashing the baseball. Hmm. So it's just like every time I check, they got double-digit runs. Like every game, it's it's crazy. Yeah, And it's it's insane to watch. Because they're playing against the Astros tonight in Seattle. That's going to be. And this kid, Daniel Vogelbach. Oh, yeah. The go ahead home run last night against the Royals in the 10th inning. I think he might be. I don't know if he's the American League leader in home runs, but he's up there. He is up there for sure. And it's not just the bats, the Mariners' bullpen is also setting MLB records, guys. It's. It's really insane what Seattle has been able to do. Um, Connor Zadek got the save on Thursday night. He helped the Mariners' bullpen achieve a little Major League history by becoming the first team since the save was declared an official stat, of course, in 1969, to get six saves in the first 15 games of the season. Not as fun. I mean, I didn't have much fun reading that, but, I mean, it's a reality. Yeah, I mean, will they stay this good? I don't know. But, uh, you know, phenomenal start to the season. Well, they look to keep mashing, that's for sure, according to MLB.com. And, you know, you really look at this team right now, I couldn't name you, like, their top guy right off the top of my head. I really could For couldn't. their lineup? For their lineup, right? I mean, maybe Santana. Hey, uh, Tom, I, I have a good fun fact for you. Domingo Santana, four homers, 19 ribbies. I got a yes. really... Right now, the Tampa Bay Rays have the best ERA in baseball. Their team ERA, bullpen and starting pitching, is a 1.98. No. That's filthy. That That, that is filthy. And it's the second team behind them has like a three. So all the Rays have to do is score two runs a game. Yeah. That's, that's all they got to do. It's insane because it's crazy. not just the Rays, but back to the Mariners for a second. Tim Beckham. Oh, yeah. Former Oriole. He's been fantastic. Yeah. 347. D. Gordon. He's good. been good. Edwin Encarnacion been decent. refuses to decline. And then Harriger, of course. I will say, out. though, this Mariner team, I bet on them versus the White Sox. Tim Beckham, Uh-oh. three errors in the first inning. Nice. And, of course, <laughs> of course they lose. One of their two losses on the season is when I bet on them. It's a joke. Maybe one day you'll add two and two and decide to give it up. <laughs> I'm just disgusted. Um... The Dodgers get swept by the Cardinals. Goldschmidt, nine hits this year. Six of them are home runs, so uh, Jay Bruce should not feel so bad. <laughs> Three uh, of them were in one game. I believe yeah. Matt Carpenter also agreed to a two-year extension, I believe, early in the week. I don't Correct. Know, I, don't, uh, I don't remember how much it was for, but I know he signed a two-year extension, which is solid considering 
Last season, remember those like three weeks that he was like ridiculously hot? Oh yeah, he hit like seven, eight home runs in eight games, and, and that came off like the four months where he was just terrible. Yeah, so he really saved the season. I believe it's uh, they extended him for two more years at thirty nine million. Oh wow, it's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot more than Ozzy Albies. I'll tell you. Yeah. That. yeah. Um, other news Wednesday night: the Phillies get thumped by the Nats, lose fifteen to one. The Phillies. Having some issues at the back of their rotation, maybe they should look at Dallas Keuchel, which you know a lot of teams should be looking at him as a potential fifth starter, fourth starter, whatever it is. It's pretty insane how, like, we're late April or mid-April, and Kimbrel and uh, Keuchel have not even been really contacted to to signing with anyone yet. Well, Kimbrel is kind of understandable considering how much he requested. On top of the fact. Of what he almost blew the World Series, <laughs> yeah, he on was like multiple terrible. occasions. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But Dallas Keuchel—that's very surprising, considering only two, three years ago he was competing for a Cy Young. Do you think Keuchel's lack of velocity has it like that? Because he can't. I don't throw think that's the case. Anymore. You don't think I don't so? think that's the case. Something I just doesn't. I just don't get how he's not on a team. Because I don't get it either. Good. <laughs> I thought it would. So for any team, page. I mean, they could get him for a minimum contract. They could leave at this point. Because he's not going to yeah. get anything long-term. Because he's not going to want to sign anything long-term at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Word of the day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thursday night, Blue Jays' Rowdy Tellez sets a Fenway Park record hitting a 500-foot home run. Wow. Where did that go? Left field, center field? over the uh, It was in right field. Right field. I believe they changed it to 450. I'm not sure because Twitter, because it, it was very funny. When he hit it, it was a bomb, obviously. And the announcer goes, will it go out? And then it lands like 15 rows in right field. And then they they say, uh, you know, home run. So yeah. Twitter was just destroying that. So that was very weird last night by Major League Baseball. That was very rowdy. <laughs> it was. Um, on that note, let's get to our segment of the week here for baseball. So, we have done this for a week. Who is your MLB player of the week? We will go around the horn. Kyle Russo, you are first. This is this is easy for me. This is 110% Jose Altuve. Chris Davis. Oh. Ab- Chris Davis. With the C. No. Jose Altuve single-handedly torched my Yankees. Torched my Yankees. Four home runs in this series, five RBIs, five hits. Single-handedly killed this team. Jose Altuve. All right, that was good. Not great. I'm going to skip other Kyle and go next. All right. Shane Green. I know. Zero ERA. Eight saves already. He's got eight saves. Wow. Kyle, Kyle, eight saves. Seven strikeouts, that's not great, but eight saves. And also, uh, you know what, no. I was going to give a, a runner-up, but that might be one of your guys. So i go Shane Green, eight saves. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, I'm going to go with the – I know we said last week, but our, right now the best player in baseball, without a doubt, Cody Bellinger, just absolutely raking. Seven home runs, 19 RBIs, batting 411. I've absolutely been a monster this, this start of the season. I love I love his swing. It's so violent and uppercut. And it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> it's so violent. Yeah, no, it's it's been really good for sure. Um, you know, honestly, you guys had a lot of good picks. 
I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say Michael Conforto. Really? I'm going to say Michael Conforto. Over Alonzo? Um, yes, because of the adversity, because we also, well, we did use Alonzo last week, and also what Conforto has had to overcome this season, hitting in the cleanup spot. He's been up to par. Oh, yeah. So far, and I think he's also a big part of the reason, not just because of Alonzo, why the Mets are 8-4. and Because Alonzo could be doing all this stuff, but you need a second guy, and right now Conforto is the other guy that's hitting substantially well. So, MLB Player of the Week, uh, let's do Team of the Week. So, in all of sports, teams, baseball, hockey, NFL, college, Baseball, basketball, I don't care. But our weekly segment is here. Mike, All right. you're up. I will take the blatantly obvious one, and we'll take the Cavs of Virginia. I mean, they won the national championship, a I magical like run. It was, you know, the final game was unbelievable. Incredible. So I will definitely take the Virginia Cavaliers. Kyle Earhart. I'm going to take the Nets of Brooklyn. Uh, just because they had the Bucks, I know Giannis wasn't playing, but they beat the Bucks. They beat the Pacers, which was to get in, and they destroyed the Miami Heat. Three-game winning streak to go into the season, to go into the playoffs, and to possibly upset the 76ers. But then, without possibly. Joel Embiid not playing that first game, definitely. Is that official? That's official. you got to take advantage mm-hmm. of that. Out. Advantage Nets, you'd say, right there. Kyle Russo. My team of the week is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Coming back from a 3 nothing deficit in the first period against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who were supposed to be the bona fide Stanley Cup champions, who are now in their second game at Tampa, down 3-1 with 15 minutes left in the third period. And I'm pretty sure Tom like wrote on the script in like bold that he picks the Lightning to win it all. I just want to put that out there, just because we get to say it later. Ooh, bad guy. I picked them from night one this season, <laughs> so I got to stick with it. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, my team of the week is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Shocker, because I hate them, but they've been good. They earned the sixth seed in the West, five-game winning streak to end the season, a win against the Timberwolves last Sunday. Uh, that's where the magic really started. And then they beat Houston by one point. PG-13 hits the game winner with 1.8 seconds left, 112-111 against Houston. And then they come back a night later to beat Milwaukee, not to mention they beat Houston and Milwaukee on back-to-back nights on the road to end the season. Look, I get it. I know what you're probably going to say. Giannis was But what about Giannis? Yeah. Still a good team. Milwaukee is one of the most consistent teams in the league, even without Giannis. The only problem is when you got Bonzi Colson playing 44 minutes, DJ, yeah, G, DJ Wilson playing 46, Tim Frazier playing 48. That's a problem. They did rest Brooke Lopez, though. I'll give you that. Thunder, team of the week. All right, so let's get into the NBA. Speaking, let's segue into basketball. What's been going on? Of course. Wednesday night, Dwayne Wade's final NBA game. That is confirmed. The Brooklyn Nets win this game 113-94. to I want to be dead honest with you right now. You brought that up. I almost started tearing up a little bit. I cried. I cried watching his last game. 
all the things that were all over Instagram, I almost cried. No, I did cry. I'll admit that. This guy, can't say anything bad about him throughout his career. Nothing bad about this guy. Humble, active member of his community. South Beach will forever and will always be Wade County. This was a great send-off. Wade was the leading scorer in this game. The leading scorer in this game. We're talking both teams on the road. Emotions are running high. Sometimes you're not up to par. The guy had 11 rebounds and 10 assists. He played his heart out. 36 minutes, 25 points. Hit three threes. And he had his fifth career triple-double. The first one in eight years. That's surprising. Oh, he's only had five? Yeah. And it came down to a Udonis Haslam jumper to get it. That was nice, too. Everybody forgot about Udonis, but uh, Spolster put Udonis in the he's starting lineup. He had a double-double. I mean, it came down to a Udonis Haslam jumper. For what a other way double. would you want it? That they, was just magical. They played together. What other? <laughs> yeah, no, that was. What amazing. other way would you want it? When he when he shot, I'm like, oh, it's a brick. But yeah. you know, brick. Dwayne Wade. Thank you. Yep. Nothing. Nothing but love. Nothing but love. Phenomenal player. Phenomenal career. Thank you. Next. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, I was waiting for it. Terrible way to LeBron, Melo, and Paul George were in attendance for this game. Oh, man. I don't know if you guys are watching that game, but Melo caught the ball out of bounds. Chris, and then Chris he ran Paul. The, Excuse Chris me. Paul, yeah. And he went to run on the court. Did oh. you see when he almost punt? Oh, yeah. I, wish I wanted him to take it. He would have missed. Yeah, you know what was going through his head? He's like, oh, if I shoot this ball and I break it, I'm never getting an NBA contract. <laughs> Twitter, NBA Twitter would have roasted him. Yeah. I really I wish agree. he would have shot yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great to see the love in the sport from his uh, superstar best friends. It's great to see that. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Dwayne Wade, Adam Marquette, a Golden Eagle, a Miami Heat player throughout his illustrious career. 16 years it spanned. Averaged 48% from the field, 22 points a game, 4.7 boards a game, 5.5 assists. Dwayne Wade, thanks. NBA Hall of Future, NBA Hall of Famer. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Tenth highest scoring NBA player by total career playoff points scored. Another fun fact. Also played with Shaq and Jay Williams. Jay Jason. And LeBron. Yes, and LeBron. All right. So uh, we lost a great one. We lost another great one. We lost two in one night. Dirk Nowitzki, very emotional before this game as well crying on camera. Uh, he was crying during the tribute video of the Spurs game. He was bawling his eyes out. Dirk. Dirk has been playing in the NBA for so long. We were toddlers, guys. We were like two or three years old. I, was I don't know where you were. I was not even a thought. Dirk Nowitzki has been playing this game for Ever. Ever. Nothing. Bonafide superstar, Hall of Famer. Person's like 20 BC. Not a bad thing about him. 40. A bad thing about him. 40 years old. Yep. Uh, In this game, Dirk Nowitzki had 20 points. Yep. 20. Uh, 8 of 21 from the field. 10 boards. 10. Eaton glass. Yeah. Eaton glass is always. uh, Dirk Nowitzki throughout his career averaged just under 21 points a game. Shot 47% from the field. Excellent three-point shooter. One of the best free-throw shooters of all time. 
88% from the line. Guys, I don't think we realize it until they're officially gone. We are losing some fantastic NBA players. Fantastic basketball yeah. that has been played. Um, this is sad. Yeah. This is sad. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki, former NBA MVP in 2007, the ninth overall pick. Fun fact, he was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks. Wow. Back in 1998, he was traded immediately. And it's not often a guy that is not, you know, born in America has an impact like this on the league. Oh, he's one of the He's easily, in my opinion, the best foreign player to ever do it. 14-time All-Star. Four-time NBA first team. NBA Finals MVP in 2011. Not to mention this guy was over 30 when he did that. They beat LeBron, Wade. They beat those guys in the finals. That was all because of Dirk, Jason Kidd. Jason Terry. Jason Terry. Sean Marion? Yes. Yes. Sean Marion. That was a good team. <laughs> yeah, that was a good team. Oh, Brian yeah. Cardinal. Also, Petra Stoyakovich, I believe, tail end of his career was on that team. Was Lamar Odom on that team, or was that the year after Ooh. he joined Dallas? That's above my pay grade. Wouldn't know. But I'm pretty sure they had Stoyakovich, my my guy. And, I mean, that team was just unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, it's it's always a pleasure. With Dirk Nowitzki, J.J. Barea, of course, Karan Butler, Brendan Haywood, yeah. Ian Mahimni, Deshaun Stevenson, Stoyakovich was there. The Tyson a- Chandler. Yes. Yeah, Tyson Chandler. The average age of that team was like 32 years old, and they still found a way. That's awesome. They found a way. Um, fantastic. Dirk Nowitzki, thank you. All right, guys, so current NBA news. The Brooklyn Nets clinched the playoffs for the first time since the 2014-2015 season in a win over the Pacers 108-96. They overcame a tough final stretch. They won their last couple of games. Are you surprised that Brooklyn is in the playoffs? I'm surprised only because of how they performed coming out of All-Star break. They looked horrible. Absolutely horrible, and they managed to turn themselves around and sneak into the playoffs. I believe... About a game, what is it, a game difference between the sixth seed that they are and the eighth seed? Yes. Very, very fortunate to get in. But uh, all all praise to Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks. Not having your first-round picks, working with brand-new talent, young talent, and assembling this team that can potentially, as Kyle said earlier, knock off the 76ers, in my opinion. I mean, D'Angelo Russell's a star. He is a star. A star. He's a star. I don't, I don't know if he's a superstar star. yet. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's a superstar yet, but he's definitely a star. He's definitely a star. We will preview Brooklyn's series uh, after we come back from break. But before we get there, let's review the Knicks and their season. They get obliterated by the Detroit Pistons. 115-89. The Knicks finish with an NBA worst record. Of 17 and 65. This is the worst record the Knicks ever had, right? Like, this is the worst in franchise history, I believe. Oh, my God. Yes. This so could bad. be <laughs> such a good thing, though. Oh, yeah. Zion Williamson. Imagine oh, then if no. it turns around. What do you mean, no? What do you mean, no? What do you mean, no? Come on. I'm not even a Knicks fan. I'm getting mad. What do you Dude. mean, no? 
They draft Zion. You're the first one on Modell's line. I don't want Zion Williams. Hold on. Hold the phones. Kings have a 1% chance at the first pick. So let's not take Zion, dude. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> John Morant's That's upside amazing. is. Oh. Get out of here! You gotta take Zion. Are you yeah. kidding me? It's ridiculous. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you not watch John Morant that tournament? Yeah, I watched him get blown out by FSU. Did you watch him blow out Marcus Howard and how well he played in that game? Looked like a mini Russell Westbrook in the making. Blew out Mark. Who was it? Uh, Marquette's a yeah, good Marquette. team. But in this game, the star, yeah, was Luke Kennard. Oh, I miss. May him. the force be with Luke. And the Detroit Pistons, as they earn their way into the playoffs, winning this game, clinching the eighth seed. And, yeah, another Dukey is in the playoffs. Dude, Duke, imagine if he stayed with Duke, Duke this year. Duke has 17 NBA players in the playoffs. Yes, fun fact, I think Kennard should still be at Duke. This would have been his senior if, year. If, if he stayed at Duke, he would have had no uh, – his draft value would have gone down significantly. No, it would have been up, dude. No. Well, he would have let – dude, Zion double team much inside. Higher, how much higher would – he went number twelve to Detroit. It'd be top ten. Canard, be top ten. Canard would have no, been. Would not. Yes, it would. Canard yes, would have been not. the fifth starter, and I think he would have been he the hit, second best dra- player. He would have drained threes like no tomorrow. Heck yeah, yeah. But he probably got a nice NBA payday. Of course. So yeah. that's that's the choice that he made, and it's a smart choice. It is. Oh yeah. Um, it makes sense. Twenty-seven points in this game. The Knicks. I'm looking at this roster. Who stays next year? Honestly, I have no clue. I think it's really just like about four people, in my opinion. Like it's Mitchell Robinson, for sure. Mitchell Robinson. I don't know what. Moutier, obviously Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. Knox. And Knox. Knox and Trier. And, and Trier. I mean, and, and you, can, you can make a case for Herzonia, who had, I mean, a, who had a great well, I'm not, the last because month it, of the season. Because he's a free agent, I'm not considering. I was thinking about uh, DeAndre Jordan, too, because they'll probably even, wind up resigning yeah, him. Even Damian Dotson. If he's your bench player, that's fine. The problem with the Knicks, he was their starting shooting guard. That's uh, the problem with that. <laughs> I think Luke Cornett may earn a spot at the end of the bench. Because, I mean, look, you, you can't get rid of everybody. You're looking at the guys they're probably not bringing back. It's a lot of these guys. Jenkins. Gone. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Vonley. Gone. Uh, no. Maybe. Gone. Maybe. Guys, guys, we can't keep half the people we d- didn't mention before. You said keep Cornette. You said keep Trier. Because you, you forget everyone, a, You forget about this next roster. Lance I Thomas. forgot about Henry Ellis. Lance Thomas signed. needs to go. Oh, guys, we got to make room for Durant and Kyrie. Uh, Durant and Kemba. Yeah. Sorry. Isaiah Hicks. Gone. Kadeem Kade- Kade- Allen. Uh, potential bench player. Billy Garrett. Gone. Don't even know who Never he is. heard of that guy. Frank Nittalikina. Gone. Gone. They said he's. Tr- they said they're going to try to trade him at draft day. Oh, he is worthless. So, <laughs> some of the teams in the playoffs we got to talk about uh, before we take a break here and coaching moves that have been made. Austin Rivers. The three-pointer he made break, broke the record Sunday night for the Houston Rockets. Most three-pointers in a game in NBA history at 27. That broke the team record that was set last year by the Houston Rockets. Congratulations to the Houston Rockets, a team that shoots all the threes they want and play no defense. Isn't it ironic the number was 27? Because last year in the playoffs, did they miss 27 threes in a row? Correct. Yikes. Fun fact, boss. Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> Nice. So, huh? coaching moves that have been made. Oh. Your Kings oh boy. fire Dave Yager. Yes. 
make, let me get your opinion on that because I like Dave Yeager. I, I like. I him. thought he did a good job. Like he did a good job for what they, he had. They promoted Vladi Divox to the president, and yeah. he, you know, his call. He wanted Yeager gone, so he's gone. <laughs> Just like that. That's how yeah. that works. So Wonder would love Luke Walton. That'd be that seems to be, be the nice number one option. Yeah, but I was very surprised to see Yeager go just because first successful season in forever, and then he's just gone. And the Lakers just parted ways with Luke Walton today. That's why they just brought him up as a potential option. Uh, Grizzlies fire Bickerstaff. The Cavs fire Larry Drew, who is the interim head coach for Tyron Lue. Um, at this point, the Tyron Lue firing felt like that was... Oh my God! I forgot Tyron Lue started the season. Yo, same. Eight <laughs> games. I forgot. First eight games. <laughs> um, he seems to be the favorite for the Lakers too, which is crazy. Yeah. The Kyle Korver comments. I don't know if you guys heard about this. I heard about it a little bit. I don't know anything specific, but this this is um, Will. His 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 comments were about um, certain like potential standing up for his kind racist acts in the NBA. We're not going to go into it politically, but I'm going to ask you guys this. Do you think this Corver thing about him trying to speak up and defend NBA players who he thinks have been attacked by fans or whoever, uh, do you think this might be a distraction for the Utah Jazz in the playoffs? No. No, I don't think so. And for him especially... Of all people, knowing what we've seen come out of Utah, especially with the whole Russell Westbrook case scenario, for him who plays for Utah in the short time that he's been there, he knows that it's a legitimate thing and that it happens on in that stadium. And and for me, I'm very proud and pleased to see that he is the one of all people, knowing that he's not he's the veteran guy, so obviously a little bit of leadership behind that, knowledge behind the game. But of all people on that team, for him to be the one to stand up, very proud, very proud of him. Because, it, listen... For him to basically call out his own fans that are rooting for him. Because I believe if he's... We've got to remember, he was playing in Cleveland only a year ago. Never made a comment. Now he goes to Utah. And you see all these things heckling what Utah fans. Well, I, for him to make this comment, it's very it's very verifying I true. can agree with the comment. I don't necessarily know if bringing up the book... The privileged book was a good idea right before the playoffs. Oh well, I don't, I don't know the necessary but, details. Uh, of the... We're not going to touch upon that. Um, but yeah, U- Utah will be in the playoffs, and we'll see how far they go. And at this time, we're going to step aside for a quick break, and when we come back, we will preview the NBA playoffs. You're listening to Review Preview here on Facebook Live. Good evening and welcome back to Review Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Mike Dawes, Kyle Russo, Kyle Earhart here in the studio. And at this time, we have breaking news. Zion Williamson, named the best player in America, nation's best player, third freshman to win this award, the first freshman since Anthony Davis, the Wooden Award. Congratulations, Zion. Unfortunately, you disappointed a lot of people who picked your team in your brackets. Not his fault. Not his fault. That, that belongs to R.J. Barrett, that award, and Cam Reddish. It belongs to Duke. It belongs to the whole team. Couple it's the best ball of team effort, unless you're the Rockets. 
<laughs> but the NBA playoffs are here, a place where Zion will be headed soon, but not yet. These are the last. We don't know yet. Yeah, exactly. You could don't see. know. These are the last few weeks, couple months, that the NBA will be without Zion Williams. So, let's get to it. We'll start with the Eastern Conference playoffs. Our Brooklyn Nets of New York will be squaring off against the Philadelphia 76ers tomorrow at 2.30. That is the first game of the 2019 NBA playoffs. Crazy, huh? Um, Love this time of year. I realistically, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say it. Brooklyn's going to win this game. They're not going to win the series, but they're going to win the game. The X factor for me, it's just Jarrett Allen just has to play all different type of phenomenal basketball because if you can't stop Joel Embiid, you're not winning this game. And he's and Joel Embiid is smart. He's going to take advantage of the fact that Jarrett Allen is practically still a rookie. I know he's a second-year player, still a baby, and he could take advantage of him. Well, guess what? He will not have to worry about that because Joel Embiid will not play in this game. In the game. first game, yes, but the rest of the series, got to be worried. Joel Embiid's such a difference maker. He is. Yeah, he, he he's is. averaged 30-plus points against the Nets this year, which, huh, I mean. That's not good if you're the Nets, but especially having Joel Embiid out the first game, this is a definitely The Nets have to win must, this game, It's a must-win. If you don't win this game, the series is practically over. In my I, I, I Actually, I, I agree with that, especially with Embiid on it. I agree with that. Yeah. That's going to be a fun series. That is the three against the six. So... Don't count out some uh, underrated players like Joe Harris, Tamari Carroll. Karis LeVert. Experience. Karis LeVert out of Michigan. Young guy. Spencer Dinwiddie. Crooks. Rodney Crooks. They got some good guys. They got good they got Ed Davis. guys. Uh, they will go as far as D'Angelo Russell can carry them. That's, that's offensively, what I think. yes. That's yeah. what, yes, offensively. So um, the other game. In the East tomorrow, you have the Orlando Magic against the Toronto Raptors, who will be without O.J. Anubi. He is out for two weeks, so he will miss the opening series I believe for the Toronto had, Raptors. Didn't he have emergency surgery just Correct. like the other night? Yeah. Yes. Hate to see it, but I don't, I don't think this is going to be – this is not going to be a difficult series for Toronto. Five games max, maybe they get a win. Appendectomy series. Uh, appendectomy Appen- surgery. Surgery. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see this Sinai as much – I don't see this as much trouble for Toronto, in my opinion. But I mean, they got they got a bunch of stars around them. I mean, their only flaw is really Kyle Lowry, but they've solidified that spot now by adding another shooter, Danny Green, experience. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Get the brooms out. Sweep, sweep. yeah, sweep, sweep, sweep. This, this does game. smell like a sweep. This is this is the only, in my opinion, this is the only series that will be a sweep. In this round. Wow, you think the Pistons could take one off the Bucks? Yeah. They will. They will. I think it'll go six games that season. At, at home. Yeah. Huh. Um, Kyle Russo will explain why in just a moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So we talked about the two games happening in, in the East tomorrow. In the West, we got the Clippers at the Golden State Warriors. That is a one versus eight matchup. Should be an interesting game. That might be another sweep, potentially. That, that, that could just be a shooting field, goal, uh, field day for Golden State. I mean, it might. Bring out the brooms. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying sweep. 
I'll give him five games. I don't like the sweeps. I'll have the Clippers catch a game at home because the yeah. Warriors, they could just miss a bunch of shots because I don't think they're in try-hard mode yet, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, and then tomorrow night we have the Spurs against the Nuggets at 10.30 p.m. That is intriguing. That is a series that could potentially go seven games in my opinion. It will. I think it will. I mean, I know LaMarcus Aldridge is not necessarily the greatest defender and he's going to have to go up against Jokic, probably go around the perimeter a little bit, but... That's going to be an interesting series. It's it's hard because it, if Jokic doesn't play well, you can just see the Spurs just taking advantage. Yeah, well, they're, well, the thing with the Nuggets is they're deep. They're deep. Yeah, but they, but they like they have a good supporting cast around Jokic. But if Jokic doesn't play well, I mean, well, yeah, obviously, that, 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 but that hurt. Obviously, yeah. he's just a star player. They're yeah. also a very inexperienced playoff yes, team. That's true. Which we will not make the picks just yet, but that keep that in mind as we're picking these series coming oh, up. Oh, I will. Um, all right, so those are the games for tomorrow. Now let's run down the East. You got number one, Milwaukee. Number two, Toronto. Number three, we got the Celtics. No, the Celtics are four. No, third is the Sixers. 76ers, yeah. Number four, we got the Celtics. Number five, we got the Pacers. Number six, the Nets. Seven, Magic. Eight, Pistons. The Pistons got in at 500. And and I believe that Marcus Smart is also out for the Celtics. He's out for four to six weeks. Yep. What an oblique injury. Big injury. That's huge. Sure. One of their best defenders. And the Pacers are also without Oladipo, but they're not a bad team without Oladipo. They're a very deep team as well, led by Boyan Bogdanovich and Miles Turner. DeMontis Sabonis. DeMontis Sabonis. Daddy Young. Doug McDermott. Kyle O'Quinn, great to see a couple former Knicks head to the playoffs, you know? Yep. I think, uh, yeah. Those... Former Nets, too. Bogdanovich. Yeah. Boyan Bogdanovich is starting to emerge into a star. Quietly. He's not there yet, but Quietly, he's yeah. getting there. Yeah, there's, a, there's a few Bogdanoviches in the league. King's got one. Bog, Bog, Bogdan. <laughs> yeah. Bogdan. Love it. Um, yeah. So, and then Sunday in the East, you got the Celtics and the Pacers at 1 o'clock. And then you got the Bucks against the Pistons at 7 p.m. Now in the West, number one, you got Golden State. Number two, you got Denver. Number three, you got Portland. Number four, Houston. Five, Utah. Six, OKC. Seven, San Antonio. Eight, Clips. Nine, Kings. But they're not in the playoffs. That was mean. That was mean. Well, they should be. How about that, take? <laughs> they should be. Except for the Clippers just went nuts. It wasn't fair. Yeah, they managed to trade their best players yet somehow improve. You know what? Life isn't fair. <laughs> like talking to myself here. Um, and then the game's on Sunday in the West. You have the Thunder against the Trailblazers at 3.30, who are without Joseph Nurkic. And then at 9.30, you got the Jazz and the Rockets Sunday night. So, at this time, we're going to make some picks. Why don't we? Who's winning it all? Let's, oh. let's start with that. Wow. Well, I think everybody Honestly, has the same answer. I will go first, and we will, I will have a different answer. I guarantee that. Oh, I'm going to pick the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> like, easily. 
These are updated picks. <laughs> I'm gonna have a different. I'm gonna have a different pick. <laughs> I think you were at the beginning of the season. You had the Pelicans reaching the Western Conference Finals. Uh, allegedly, we got we got to check the archives. <laughs> but I probably did say that. <laughs> I don't know what was going on that day. Listen, at least you, sense. at least the Warriors beating in the West or in the East. In the East. Go with the Bucks. Okay. They're they're good. I'm going to have a different pick than everybody. I picked both the number one seeds to meet yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Kyle Russo? Uh, obviously the Warriors versus the Toronto Raptors in the NBA Finals. That's your original pick? I'm going to stick with it. I thought it was a very smart pick, and it's turning out to benefit in my favor. Kyle Earhart. Uh, Russo stole the words. That's exactly what I was going to say. Toronto versus the Warriors. I believe Kyle had that too, right, in the beginning of the season? Ooh, Kyle picked that. Yeah. You got to check the archive somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, with Smart out, Boston might have trouble getting past the second round. Um, they may have trouble getting out of the first round. But I think Brad Stevens is a good enough coach to get them over that hump. I originally picked Golden State to beat Boston in the NBA Finals. But due to the Marcus Smart injury, I will not. With that being said, the Golden State Warriors will beat the Milwaukee Bucks in seven games. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That is going to be a fun series if that happens. I think that's a series everyone wants to see, man, because I oh, think yeah. the war, people think Milwaukee think is want, the only team so. that can I beat want, them. I want Milwaukee to win. I want Milwaukee to win. I, so. mean, I mean, with your Middleton jersey, I hope so. Middle, no, Pat Connaughton. Oh, Pat Connaughton. Sorry. Pat Connaughton. Somehow worse than Chris Middleton jersey. <laughs> Just got the death stare. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> that is why we call the show Review and Preview here on Friday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. We normally air on the wave. We are not tonight due to a programming conflict. We are on Facebook Live, and you can listen to our podcast on anchor.fm slash review and preview. So on that note, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we will talk. Men's and women's Final Four college basketball. March Madness is done, but we're going to recap it in just a few moments. You're listening to Review and Preview here at LIU Studios on Facebook Live. Last time that I checked, check, check. it was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep. Last time that I checked, I was selling songs in the set. Good evening. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Kyle Russo, Kyle Earhart, Mike Dawes. It is now 9.43. We're going at 10.30 tonight here on the LIU Post Campus. We are not taking calls tonight. We will have our call-ins back next week. You can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments. Take part in our live show next week on April 19th, 516-299-2030. And that should be a fun show. So let's get to some March Madness. First off, Kyle. Congratulations to your sister, Megan Earhart, on winning the Review and Preview Bracket Challenge. Megan was the only person in our bracket to pick the Cavaliers of Virginia. Uh, they, she finished with 130 points. Co-host James Montefusco finished just 10 points behind. Ooh. Good enough for second place. That's rough. Yeah. Smart lady. You probably Smart had West lady. Virginia or something. <laughs> Yikes. Third place, Nick Tonks. Oh, yeah. Cool name. Yeah. Cool name. There you go. He was at first at one point. He flew down. He down was in third. third. Yeah. 
I did pretty poorly as a Duke picker. Well, most of us did pick Most of us did. It was either that or North Carolina. Jack White was a little more healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Sure. And if Kennard stayed. Yeah, Yeah, that too. Um, (laughs) So, Virginia. Fun fact. Commuting to the show tonight, I drove past Ty Jerome's high school. I own a prep in New Rochelle. That's why I think he, is, he was the most important player to this Virginia team that defeated Texas Tech in overtime in the national championship game, 85-77. to But how did they get there, right? First, they had to beat Auburn in the Final Four, 63-62. to Kyle Guy, the tournament's most outstanding player of the Final Four, got fouled with just about a second or two left in the game, Dumb. got fouled on a three. Dumb foul. Yeah, that's for sure. Bruce Pearl was livid. It was a great game. It was. But then Guy knocks down all three free throws. He stated after the game he was petrified. He didn't look it. No. He stepped up and hit all three. That was amazing. What a guy. Yeah. Silent killer. Unbelievable game. But Ty Jerome led the game for Virginia with 21 points. New Rochelle kid from Iona Prep, as I just mentioned. Uh, great to see Ty Jerome make some noise. DeAndre Hunter as well. He, DeAndre Hunter, absolutely phenomenal. He hit oh, yeah. that clutch three at the end. He was wide open. It was clutch, though. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And not just but Kyle Guy. Again, without his three-pointers, they don't win this game. It's not even close. He yeah, was I mean, filthy from you know, three-point line. Kyle Guy, pretty stupid first name. But, you know, he is. <laughs> thank, he hit some you. very good shots. <laughs> And, I mean, just like you said, that DeAndre Hunter three, that was... I just caught on to that. Yeah, because no, these two are named Kyle. But um, I, mean, I would have I would have missed that shot. Sweaty palms airballed in the corner for three for sure. Look, Virginia won this game not just because of the guy free throws. The most consistent player in this game was Ty Jerome. He he was he was silently phenomenal. He, I believe he had Four for 16. nine from deep, nine boards, six assists, 21 yeah. points. He led in the team in all three of those categories. Yeah. Uh, and... He is a fantastic bas- basketball player, a junior from New York. Love watching him. Great player. Um, is he a potential draft candidate, you think? For next year, yeah, I think he will be. Because you don't think he's entering he, this year? No, he's coming back to Virginia. Okay. I know Kyle, Kyle Guy's a senior, right? Kyle Guy's a junior. He's a junior? I thought he was a senior. No, so Virginia has everybody coming back except, oh, DeAndre for, Hunter. except for Jack Salt. And DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter, which is a huge loss. Well, Jack Salt was the only true senior that yeah. played significant minutes on this team. Yeah. Um, weird name as well, Jack Salt. Um, but um, I really do think that DeAndre Hunter will declare, which means you still got Diakite, Clark, Jerome, and Guy. That's four of your five starters from last year. But that's the four of the five starters that also lost to UMBC the year before. Not Clark. Clark is a freshman this year. Okay. Well, but three whoever, out of the their five. Point guard was three the out of the five. Right, but that – team is over now. Uh, yeah, that's a history lesson. Can't no one's got time on for that. Past because they won the national championship this year, going from worst to first. Yeah. The other game in the Final Four, though, Texas Tech defeated Michigan State 61-51. to They held the Spartans to just 32% shooting from the field. Now, this game in like the first eight minutes of the game was one of the most disgusting games I've ever seen in my life. Why? They just they just could Why? not make a shot. That's just Texas Either Tech team. basketball right there. Either team. They just shot they exchanged threes that's back good and defense. They couldn't. That's basketball. That's good basketball. No, they had a lot of open looks, and they just were just missing. They're just horrible. I wish that the national championship game lived up to the defensive hype 
because, you know, a 36-34 final would have been hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it was funny. It was ironic because the, how the uh, game, like, went into overtime off a defensive miscue by <laughs> Texas Tech. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Texas Tech was led by Matt Mooney in this game, the redshirt senior, scoring 22 points, and nobody else really came close. Culver had a terrible game, just 10 points. He was missing three everything. Three for 12 from the field, man. Uh, Texas Tech could not put the ball in the basket, but they found the way to win through their defense. They held Cassius to 16. McQuaid, they contained him. Goins didn't score. Uh, Tillman and Henry were quiet as well, and the bench didn't do much either. Uh, Michigan State was missing one of their key bench players in Aaron's, number zero. But besides that, they were a pretty healthy squad. And Michigan State, uh, Ajani got into the uh, national championship game. Tariq Owens, retro yes. senior, St. John's grad transfer. He fouled out, too. In the national championship yep. game. Thank you for the reminder. What? <laughs> uh, Monday night, the big stage. Jim Nance called this game on CBS. UVA versus Texas Tech, two first-timers in the national championship game. UVA wins this game in overtime, 85-77, to the first national title in the history of the University of Virginia. This was a fantastic game. I watched it at home. This was really the only game of the tournament I got to watch in its full entirety. Um, Kyle Guy wins the Most Outstanding Player Award. But, guys, even though Kyle Guy won the MOP, the best play of this game was the DeAndre Hunter three that tied the game to bring it into overtime. Off off the defensive miscue by Texas Tech. I, I think Jerome was was make, going for the layup to, to make him down by one, and three Texas Tech defenders just rushed him and left Hunter yeah, wide DeAndre, open in the three. Jerome made a really smart pass to yeah, the corner. Yeah, yeah, it was a very smart pass. And but, I, I will say that, too. Virginia has good ball handlers. They don't turn the ball over. I agree with that, yes. Which I kind of detected that they would win this game. Uh, not to mention they were the only one seed to make the Final Four. Yeah. Which a lot, a lot of people were calling them to be the first one seed to be eliminated. I was one of them. I was one of them. And you were wrong. I was definitely Ooh. wrong. But this game, <laughs> this game, it was Texas Tech, poor shooting, but not just that. How many free throws? I know <laughs> Virginia shot 12 free throws and made all 12 free throws just in overtime. How many free throws did they shoot in regulation? It had to have been about the same, if not more. 11. It was 11 regulation, 23 free throws. Unbelievable. Yeah, both teams shot the ball really well from the charity stripe in this game. Uh, I will say this, 22 of DeAndre Hunter's 27 points in this game. He was the leading scorer. Yep. 22 of those points came in the second half in overtime. He just had five points in the first half, made an excellent three-pointer off the feed from Ty Jerome. And... This leads back to Kyle Guy. He was the other X factor in this game. Four for nine from three. Didn't miss a free throw in the entire Final Four. He was fantastic. Uh, I mean, we talked about Guy. We talked about Hunter and Jerome. Those were really their big three, Virginia. And Tony Bennett, the coach, getting his first national title. Bravo. Yeah, I mean, good for them for that. You know, obviously UMBC lost last year. Yeah. But I wasn't even able to watch this game. It was that Monday Night Raw at the WrestleMania? And we kind of listened to it on the way home, and we caught overtime. But whew, yeah, that was a, it was a phenomenal game. And oh yeah, it was really, it was really a great. We got to say Jerome with the sixteen points, eight rebounds, six assists. I know we've brought him up a lot here in this segment, but he needs to be talked about a lot because he really is the glue 
to this team. He you was, have your two top scorers. You have that one guy that's the leader and does everything right and does not make many mistakes. Jerome is that guy. As Kevin Durant once said, he was the real MVP. He was the real MVP <laughs> in this game. Wow. He, he was. He really was. I was surprised. Thank you. I know that usually the MVP goes to the guy who scored the most points. But even at that, it, for that matter, it would have gone to DeAndre Hunter. But it went to Kyle Guy. But Todd Jerome was amazing. Some of the things that he was doing with the basketball was absolutely incredible. The passing ability, the way he was able to get rebounds, and he's Vision. not the tallest of guys. His passing, oh, my six, God. 6'6". Six. Yeah. Still, phenomenal performance. And I will say this. Uh, Chris Beard for Texas Tech. you got to give credit to this man. The AP National Coach of the Year, guys. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, this was this was a team based on, I mean, going into the season, they had a bunch of seniors. They had Isaac Owens, who was a transfer, as you said, from St. John's. And obviously, Jared Culver was the highlight player of this team. But Correct. to lead this team all the way to the championship and almost win the championship. Correct. It was for DeAndre Hunter clutch three at the end. But and the defensive very impressive. Miscue. And a decent, yeah, yeah, defensive miscue. Right. And that last block in regulation, uh, Culver, I forgot who blocked. I believe it was... Okite. Was it no, Okite? No, 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 no. It was uh, uh, Clark. Clark blocked it. Clark blocked the shot at the end. Virginia, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Clark. Was it? Yeah, it was Clark. Clark, Clark, Clark is a small guy. He's only like 5'9". But I'm pretty sure he blocked the shot. No, Let me I see. think it was Diakite. Let me see. I'll check that out for you real but, quick. No, but, like, as we're supposed to saying, yeah, that, like, Texas Tech was supposed to be sixth in the Big 12 this year, and the fact they made it all the way to the, uh, to, to the championship game is just impressive on uh, Chris Beard's part, honestly. Might have been Hunter, Kyle, uh, to answer your question. Yeah, and also, sure usually, DeAndre Hunter usually there's not two, like, super elite defensive teams that make the finals, so this was... Oh, it was Braxton It was Braxton Key. <laughs> I, right. I thought it was Clark. He was the only other person. I don't know if Clark had a block all season. But Clark, a freshman in this game, didn't play as many minutes as the other big guns did. But he was impressive as a freshman. To start as a freshman, a kid who's a year out of high school to lead your team to a national championship, that's impressive. For Texas Tech, Mooney, only 10 points. David Moretti uh, definitely struggled in this game at times, but he found a shot late. He hit three threes. What are your thoughts on David Moretti? Very impressive. Very impressive. Oh, you were looking at Dawes. My bad, Dawes. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Um, I mean, to be honest, I didn't even, like I said, I didn't really watch the game, but it sounds like a cool name. Those are my big <laughs> time thoughts. Born in Italy. Fun Born fact, Italian, his, yeah. his parents. Oh, yeah, I saw the video of his parents coming on at the, uh, that meeting wherever they had sports. <laughs> yeah. So those well, are my thoughts. Cool name, and saw that one video about him. He's a, he's, <laughs> he's a paisan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For the national Big championship time. game. Big uh, time. Also, Culver was great in the second half, not great in the first. I mean, it's tough. Brandon Francis off the bench. He was great. He led Tech in scoring. The Red Raiders. Yeah, he was, he really kept the team in the com- uh, in the game in the first half, and he came alive yeah. in the second half, too, but wasn't enough. you got to give all the credit and respect to Texas Tech, a team that was finished – just sixth. They were projected to finish sixth in the Big 12. Sixth. Ugh. And then they won the Big 12 Conference Championship, a Final Four appearance a year after making the Elite Eight. This is their first NCAA championship game. The last two years, guys, listen to this. Fun fact. The last two years, Texas Tech, 8-2 and two in the NCAA tournament. The previous 79 years, 8-16. and 16. Wow. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> That's funny. This is the first national championship game since 2008 to go into overtime that featured Kansas and Memphis, Mario Chalmers versus Derrick Rose. Mario uh, Chalmers. Another fun fact. Virginia was 32-0 and when holding opponents under 69 points this season. That's why defense wins championships. Yes, and 85 points were points. scored in this game. Virginia outscored Tech 17-9 to in overtime. But this question is open for everybody. Thoughts on the UVA transformation from last year? I mean, I guess you could make an ESPN 30 for 30 about <laughs> yeah. it now, right? You really could. Go- going from embarrassment to prestigious. There you go. There's your title, ESPN. Some college basketball hard knocks. It's like, what, what if I told you? <laughs> that you would lose the UMBC <laughs> yeah. and then win the championship. They they fixed up a mess that they left. Oh, yeah. Because um, they that was an embarrassing. Listen, in my opinion, it's never forgotten. That's still the worst upset in all. That's the biggest upset in, in college basketball, maybe even in sports history. Sports. Sports history, that's the biggest First upset. First time ever, 16-1. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm going to ask you guys this. What were your thoughts on this year's March Madness? Very entertaining. It was maddening. Very entertaining. I'll say last year was a lot better. Last year was a, a lot just, better. Just because the upsets of last year, there were chaos. a ton more. But if you want to go from the championship game-wise and Final Four-wise, this year was Final, final Four-wise was a lot better. All the games were great. All the Virginia games were great. I like this year better because I'm a big Zion guy. I love this, the spectacle of this kid. So watching him was just unbelievable. Tremendous. It was tremendous. It was, it was crazy. He is just – he is insane. I mean, in my opinion, I mean – that UCF-Duke game might have been the best game of the entire oh, tournament. that was unbelievable. That was unbelievable, that game. Oh, we saw a 12 seed in Oregon make the Sweet 16. Yeah. Uh, we saw Auburn make the Final Four for the first time. Uh, fantastic run by Bruce Pearl and his Tigers, a team that just squeaked out of the first round, beating New Mexico State by one point. That translated oh, yeah. to the Final Four. So this goes to show you one point could make the difference from you winning the tournament to going out round one. Yeah, and also Auburn, very fun to watch. I mean, they just they just shoot oh, yeah. insane amount of threes, and they make them yeah. from the like the parking lot. It's they're crazy, yeah, for sure. Um, this was great. Uh, my friend Cannon, who was in our bracket challenge, made a note of something like three hundred forty days until Selection Sunday. Can't wait. Now it's about three thirty-four, something like that. So, yeah, um, we look forward to March Madness next year. But players declare for the draft every year a lot of young guys declared for the draft um the player of the south region carson edwards declares from purdue gone pj washington from kentucky tyler harrow just declared today also from kentucky razdikas from michigan grant williams from tennessee a team that should have advanced probably to the final four if they would have beat purdue R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Zion Williamson. No. Zion is not official. No, Zion declared. is not, not, declared. not official. But Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett have. That Before would be, Zion. Listen, I'll imagine, tell you something, man. Imagine if Zion stays. Imagine a world where the Knicks get screwed over. I'm, ha- I'm going to have a lot of fun with this one because I predicted it last week on the show, and basically I was indirectly being made fun of for it. Trey Jones returns to Duke. I said he should return. I just didn't think that he was going to. Because, again, a lot of players look at money 
and it's it's all about family security. That's Trey Jones. Look, I'm telling you, and they're gonna recruit Matt Hurt. Matthew Hurt, he's gonna be good. I'm telling you, Duke next year. It's even without Zion. I think this team is gonna be a little overlooked, but I think they're gonna be a lot better. Like mechanically, I guess you could say better than this year. Well, you saw where they were with the ESPN standings for predictions, right? They ranked number six or seven, I think. Which that's that's not bad because they don't even have their recruits yet. Yeah, it's true. But it's not bad considering who was. I think Michigan State was and, ranked number one. And consider Trey Jones, how great a defensive player he is. Yeah. And he's staying another year. His offense is just going to get. Uh, you would assume better Hopefully. and better. So who is returning on Duke? Well, we have Trey Jones. Javin Delorier, Alex O'Connell, Jack White, Marcus Bolden. That is a terrible starting five. That is awful. I don't, Javin see, 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 I don't know. Delorier and Bolden? I, I, I think Jack White will have a better season next year because it can't be worse from what the season he had this well, year. Well, he'll probably still come off the bench next year. I'm just saying. You Gold, and Gold, Alex O'Connell. Goldwire coming back. I, and plus the recruits are getting in too. I, I, this Duke team is going to be very quietly good next year. It's going to be very quietly good as well. Yeah. And I expect the starting five at this time to be Trey Jones, Alex O'Connell, Javin Delorier, Marcus Bolden, and the one McDonald's All-American that they will recruit. Possibly if it's Matt Hurt, they get a couple other guys. Cool. Jack White will be their sixth man, yep. I think. And then you have Goldwire, who will be sophomore junior now. So an older Duke team next year the problem this year these one and done teams Kentucky lost in the Elite Eight Duke lost in the Elite Eight it happens it does yep. also I don't know if you guys saw Dick Vitale had a hilarious joke but he was being serious he said on SportsCenter the other day that Zion Williamson has unfinished business at Duke Zion Williamson this is the guy who I mean he could he, as soon as he steps foot out of Duke he will get a bajillion dollar shoe deal so, oh yeah I mean, but maybe he wants that national championship oh who cares maybe he does oh my god who cares Maybe he does. If he if he comes back, it just shows his dedication and love to the game of basketball, in my opinion. Otherwise, That's it is true. one of the stupidest because moves I've ever seen. He will be so well, rich the, the moment the thing, he You just brought up a smart point. He can't get a shoe deal exactly. if he's still in college. It's true. Like so the, if the he stays, he's, he pass, he's technically passing <laughs> on $100 million. Reports, well, David Fisdale is not getting his hopes up on Zion Williamson, if that's a clue to oh, anything. He's, listen, man, he could say that, but he's but, probably dreaming every night he gets to coach but, that guy. He gets to coach another year potentially. But you would think if him accepting his wooden award tonight, he'd you know kind of make the announcement on live TV, on ESPN, getting the wooden award. It you would think he'd, he'd make that announcement. There, That's my right? point. He seems like the guy who wouldn't hide something like that. He yeah. seems like he but he's humble, blatantly obvious, nothing to hide. But we'll see. I don't know, man. He potentially time really, will tell. Might. I guess Russo. Maybe there's something going on that we don't know about. Oh, that would be terrible. All Especially right. you Nick fans. That'd be well, awful. Look, Co- Coach K may be up his <laughs> so sleeve. Co- Coach K might be up his sleeve. You, you never know. Oh, nah, he's he's turned I mean, into you know, a, he's turned into a one and done guy. To end to to end the March Madness talk, I watched a video this week on all the Duke NCAA tournament losses since the year two thousand, and it was completely hysterical. I got to watch Lehigh, <laughs> the Lehigh ones, Mercer, three <laughs> against fourteen. What else? Uh, I was in high school when those happened too. Oh, so same, sad. Same. Especially the Mercer one. I was, like, in math class and, like, crying that they lost. So we will transition from men's March Madness to women's March Madness. Now, Final Four happened last Friday night on the show. Baylor defeated Oregon, the number one overall seed. Uh, The impact of the Kamani Brown-Loring-Cox combo. Guys, Kamani Brown, the daughter of P.J. Brown, former NBA player who played for the Boston Celtics, 
Six foot seven. Kamani Brown. Lauren Cox. You mean, is it Kamani or Kalani? I think it was Kamani. Kamani. Kamani? Okay. And then Laure, Lauren Cox. Who's Lauren Cox. Is di- right. yeah. Diabetic. Uh, six four. Oh, she's di- that's what that thing on her arm was. Okay. Six four. Uh, huge girl. Uh, so this was insane. And then Notre Dame defeats UConn in the final four for the second straight year. 81-76 to advance to the national championship game. I could just picture Tom like out with his friends when they like hit the uh, when they won like jumping up and down. Let's go! Come on! Getting really hype because Notre Dame overall like every other sport this season disappointed. I but. have the play like a champion today poster in my bedroom <laughs> and I touch it every morning when I wake up before I go to work, <laughs> before I go to sleep, before I go to the bathroom and eat breakfast. Yeah. Have do you, do you play breakfast like a of a champion? What's up? Do you play like a champion? I, I would I would hope so. All right, that's good then. There you go. Um, but yes, so, <laughs> but it was not very lucky for them in the national championship game. We will get to that in just a couple moments. But the Notre Dame win over UConn in the Final Four was fantastic. Uh, this was a game Notre Dame had to come back to win. They outscored UConn 29-22 in the fourth quarter. Arike Agunbowale. 23 points in this game. Jessica Shepard and Brianna Turner both with double-doubles. You want to talk about height? Shep is 6'2", Nebraska transfer. Brianna Turner, 6'4", fifth-year senior for the Fighting Irish. And then, of course, Marina Mabry, who really got her shot on 12 assists in this game. Love it. Fun fact, one of Notre Dame's top bench players, Danielle Patterson from Floral Park, New York, went to Mary Lou's Academy. Fun fact. Um... So, other um, other stuff that happened with Notre Dame this weekend as they advanced to the national the national championship game. Muffet McGraw and her squad they faced off against Kim Mulkey. Beller won the national championship game by one point. One. The final score was eighty two to eighty one. Kim Mulkey and Baylor win the program's third national title. Uh, This was a fantastic game. Uh, What happened was Arike Agumbawale was fouled. Notre Dame was down by two. She missed the first, which was ridiculous because she only missed three free throws the whole tournament. Two of them were in this game. And she was supposed to miss the second, but she ended up making it. Oh, did she pull a mono Ginobili? Yeah, so that's what happened there. And Arike, yeah, she had 31 points, but she shot 11 of 27. She had a fantastic game, but, you know, she could have done a little bit better. If, if we're talking three-point considerations, Notre Dame shot 54% behind the three-point arc. Baylor just shot 28%. Notre Dame, guys, look, listen to these stats on paper. Three-point shooting, Notre Dame 54, Baylor 28, free-throw shooting. Notre Dame, 82. Baylor, 28. Baylor shot 28% from the free throw line and won this game. And won this game. As Tom would say, not excellent work from the free th- from the charity stripe. Work. It's terrible work. The Fighting Irish should have won this game. If this game goes into overtime, they win. Because from the moment Lauren Cox sprained her MCL, Notre Dame took over. Did you, do you guys remember that moment in that game? I don't know if you watched the game. but Yeah, no, I, I, I agree completely, but like the... Th- Face the facts, you know, like That's Notre stuck. Dame just just didn't play well overall. They like didn't. 
obviously Baylor, like terrible shooting three, terrible shooting free throws, but still good teams find a way to win. At the What's end of the crazy day. about this game is that Notre Dame in almost every single category led Baylor. They've led them in offensive rebounds by six, total rebounds by five. They didn't. They had three less assists. They got blocked four more times. Uh, incredible. And, I agree. and Baylor fouled seven more times, which means that Notre Dame went to the line more. I mean, you look at this Baylor team; they only had seven attempts. Yeah. That's why they only shot twenty-eight percent. Yet they, yes, they shot two from seven. But Notre Dame, 22 times, 18 free throws made. That's a lot. I'm just telling you, Chloe Jackson had the game-winning layup in this game. She was fantastic. She played all 40 minutes, did not sit one second of this game. She played it all through and through. So did Arike Agumbawale and Jessica Shepard. They didn't sit in this game either. Mm-hmm. But um, that layup with 12, 13 seconds left in the game, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. Um, Kalani Brown. Um, was the X factor in this game. They couldn't stop her. 20 points, 13 rebounds. But the problem was, once Lauren Cox got hurt, once it was a shame. This was a horrific injury. Her parents were at this game. She got wheelchaired off the court. And eight points and eight rebounds. I know it doesn't seem like much, but at the end of the third quarter where this injury happened, this was the turning point in this game. Baylor was up by almost 20 points at the end of the third quarter. And Notre Dame only lost by one point. This was fantastic. This was a fantastic comeback, a terrible injury. But you noticed that Notre Dame, once 6'4", Lauren Cox left the game, they had opportunities to double the 6'7", Kalani Brown, and really trap her and make her kick the ball out. And Baylor couldn't hit three-point shots. They couldn't. And that's why Notre Dame chipped away. They got back into this game. They were super hot. Marina Mabry was super hot in this game, 21 points. Four for eight from three. Yeah, the uh, the Fighting Irish in the fourth quarter outscored Baylor by ten points, twenty six to sixteen. So yeah, they they did plead a comeback, but not enough, obviously. And then the most outstanding player of this game was Chloe Jackson. Mm-hmm. She had twenty six points. She was great. Um, even though Enrique was the game's leading scorer at thirty one. Look, I'm sorry. When you have a chance to tie and you split the pair, you don't deserve to win. It just wasn't meant to be. It was just a shame because. Notre Dame, four seniors starting on the floor. And the one junior that they had. Notre Dame just lost their starting five a week later. Their junior, that was not a senior, was selected number one overall in the WNBA draft the other night. Notre Dame starting five a week later, gone. It's a shame. Crazy. That's crazy. And, and I saw the uh, next year's ranking for WNBA. Notre Dame's not even in the top ten. It makes sense. Yeah. Well, they lost everybody. They lost everybody. No, no, Notre Dame's best player remaining is Vaughn. Three of their players went in the and top Pro nine. And Prohaska. Or top ten. They yeah. had uh, Bowale went number nine, I believe. Yeah. And they had, was it Jackie Young? Jackie Young was number Jackie one. Jackie Young was number one. And Ar- they had... Arike was number five. And then Brianna Turner was number 11. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. And then round two, Jessica Shepard and Marina Mabry went in the top ten of round two. Remember, there's only like 15, 18 picks in each round of the WNBA draft. So mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit different from the NBA. Man, this stunk, guys. Notre Dame's all-time three-point shooter. Basically, the best three-point shooter in Notre Dame history, Marina Mabry. Her older sister used to play at Notre Dame. She was at this game on the mic headset at times. Michaela Mabry. Uh 21 points, 4 for 8 from the field. Guys, Notre Dame went on a 31-18 to 18 run after the Cox injury. 31-18 to 18 run. 
And it was just a shame how they did this with Jackie Young just scoring four points. This is really the tale of days. Your best player in the whole tournament scores four points in the national championship game. Just one of eight from the field. She couldn't score. They trapped her. She goes number one in the WNBA draft. How do you go from scoring four points in a national championship game to being drafted first overall? It goes to show you they don't just look at that one game. What did Jackie Young do to earn this honor? She also had nine rebounds and six assists. Yeah. I don't know how the scoring is in college basketball, but they said her career stats, 14.3 points per game. I mean, that, I mean, I don't know if that is a lot in women's basketball, college women's basketball, but yeah. obviously well-deserving. I mean, you don't get drafted number one if you're not well-deserving of it. It's a shame. Um, on that note, we're going to step aside for our final break of the evening. When we come back, we will talk some NHL playoffs and New York Islanders hockey, their game currently in progress. You're listening to Review and Preview here at LIU Studios. This is Review and Preview on Facebook Live and here at the LIU Studios. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Kyle Earhart, Kyle Russo, Mike Dawes. All right, so we're going to have a different segment here at this time. We are going to talk some NHL playoffs. So for those of you that don't know, I have been working hockey all season long up in Connecticut, and this has been a great year for hockey. It really has. There's been a lot of new teams in the playoffs. The New York Islanders are one of them, and they are currently leading the Pittsburgh Penguins late in this game, late in the third period. Actually, Tom, it just went final. Oh, literally, I... r- literally right as you said it. And a massive brawl after the end of this game right now. I got three seconds left. No, it has not updated. uh, On the TV, it just went final. Islanders are up 2-0 against the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is is great for New York. This is great for Long Island. It's not great for me, but, you know, it's it's good. Wow, a lot of fighting right now after this game ended. Um, Yeah, the New York Islanders are up 2-0 in the series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Josh Bailey had the um, game-winning goal in overtime in Game 1. I was sitting next to the person who was working this game. The studio, all the people in the playback started screaming and yelling. And I was like, oh, great. The Islanders must have just won. But the Penguins scored with 50 seconds left in regulation to tie this game and send it to overtime. Now, my question is this. You know, we're in New York, so we're going to talk to the Islanders here. How do they stack up against the rest of the Eastern Conference in this playoffs because you have you have Tampa Bay, Washington, Boston, Toronto, New York, Pittsburgh. So you got some pretty good teams yep. in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Tom, you definitely do. You Columbus. have Columbus, the, the Boston. Yeah, you have Columbus is up two nothing against Tampa. But uh, th- honestly, like the thing about the NHL playoffs, which is way different from any other sport, you could throw the seedings right out the window. They don't really mean much in NHL playoffs. There have been a few years where the eighth seed has. Won the whole thing. LA Kings won the whole thing, A seed. So in the NHL playoffs, the greatest thing, throw the seeds out the window. It's whoever gets hot, the hot goalie at the right time, which the Islanders have in Robin Lehner. And who knows? Obviously, it's a tough uphill battle, but who knows? The hockey playoffs, man, anything could happen. Yeah. We're talking, about the, we're talking about the Islanders right now. Lehner, this game just finished. 
fantastic. 970 save percentage in this game. Saved 32 out of 33 shots on goal. Yeah, and Everly scored again. Everly, Bailey, Bovillier. Barzal had two assists. Yep. Anders Lee, one of their stars as well with an assist himself. And, you know, you look at this defense, you've got a lot of good guys on that defense. Guys like Nicoletti, Ryan Pulak. uh, Johnny Boychuk. Yeah. Just just this hockey team is just all around a great hockey team. There is no weak point you could say in this team. You know what it is with this team, Kyle? They're, They're dogs. The dogs. They they've been a lot of players that have been I, I don't want to say mistreated but underlooked and undervalued throughout their careers. I and agree. They come together and just become a unit. Robin Lehner, Val Philpola, just like it's honestly it's it's insane how a coach and Barry Trotz could just turn a whole team around from winning the most goals up in the NHL last year to letting up the least goals and winning the Jennings Trophy. Yep, it's insane, fellas. I think we should pump the brakes a little bit. I'm gonna in, I'm gonna enjoy this while it lasts, though. So don't. no, you enjoy nothing because <laughs> this power play stinks. That is true, but yet they still manage to win. But see, the thing is about the Islanders, it's always I know the power play is always terrible, but it's when you score the power play goals. And tonight it was two one. They're up two one with seven minutes to go, and Josh Bailey on the power play ices the game basically, and they end up winning three one because Josh Bailey scored the power play goal. So yeah. it's timely power play goals. Will that hold up on the road? They are better, actually, st- statistically this year, better road team than they are home team, which is very surprising. So who knows? If they could steal one in picture in Pittsburgh and go up 3-1 coming back to the Coliseum for Game 5, you got to like their chances, no? Look, they may win this series, but I'm looking at who's ahead of them. It's, it, it's, it's mostly, an uphill battle. Yeah, you're mostly, you you're mostly playing the Capitals. You know, which is never fun. Which I mean, especially for this team, it's gonna be a heck of a series because you know Barry Trotz coached that team last year. Veshkin, Backstrom, Carlson, Kuznetsov, Kuznetsov, Holpe, Holpe. That 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 team is that's the reason why they they won the Stanley Cup last year. That that's why, right, guys? Nick Nick Dowd. Yeah, it's a good team. It's a great team. Stacked team. But we have the guy that knows every single one of them and how they play. He he coached them last year. So. You could also say that about John Tortorella and half of the Rangers players, which yes. might be why Columbus is up 2 nothing in yes, this series. That's true. John Tortorella, did man. Did you think about that? I was I saving did. that until this very moment <laughs> on the show. I was thinking about that because when— You have um, no idea how much I was holding that when in. When he won—when they won the first game, Columbus, because they actually won tonight's game, too, now lead the series against Tampa 2 uh, two nothing. Excellent work. But Tortorella, after the first game, he went in the locker room. And I'll tell you, I watched that— after the game speech, he was dropping f bombs beyond f bombs, and he was actually motivational behind that speech. He said, "We could do this. They're nothing. We are one of the best teams in the league. We could do this. Nobody's going to beat us. We are hot right now." And it was just—I mean, and it's crazy. You make jokes, but Tampa. You look at Tampa, and I believe six of those players on that team is former Rangers. Well, look, yeah, that's true. I mean, but at the same time, Columbus did trail three nothing in Game One, that was and that's a amazing. problem. That was amazing. Yeah, and I watched the beginning of this game at home before I went to work, and Kalorn was great. Oh, Pocket, they have guys on that team that score. They can come at you in all different directions. I wouldn't be if the if the Lightning win Game Three. I would not be overly concerned if they lose Game Three. Then you got some serious trouble. This is a must win for Tampa Bay in this game because they were the best team in hockey this year. Yeah, I mean, there there was no record that was close to them. People have them automatic championship. Who is the next best team in the league? Calgary? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Calgary. 
I'd say Calgary or Nashville, right. but yeah, Calgary. Oh, uh, I don't know about Nashville right well, Nashville now. Nashville now down to, to Dallas. The Dallas but, Stars, yo, yeah. you got some good young guns on that team. Miro Haskin at 19 years old, scoring two goals. And, and your former Ranger, Matt Zuccarello on the Dallas Matt Stars. Zuccarello scored a goal. Yes, he did. That was a... I was and honestly, if you're the Rangers, you're room for Dallas because they, if they get to the second round, they get a conditional third round pick instead of a fourth fourth round pick. And then Correct. if he resigns, they get a first round pick. Yes. So if you're if you're the Rangers, don't go forget Dallas. about Jason uh, Dickinson as well, number sixteen. He's a good player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ben, I, I actually heard a great quote today listening to the radio. Uh, Jeremy Roenick, uh, NBC analyst, he said on on the radio today that superstars who don't put in work don't deserve to win. Teams that work together and put in the work deserve to win, and that's what he described the Islander series and the the, the, toge- the togetherness in the work and how they all work together as a unit. Then, like a Pittsburgh team that's full of superstars, as you can tell, don't look like they want a, any part of the series right now. Getting killed in the Coliseum, you know, they're playing scrappy too with the amount of fights yeah. going on in game two. Yeah, it's definitely concerning if you're Pittsburgh. However, um, you look at the West. And right now, it's pretty much a dogfight, I think. There, there's no one. I mean, it's a dogfight in the East, too, but you get the point. The records are much more even in the West. There's not one team that's just crazingly ahead of everybody. Uh, I mean, you've got, you got Nashville against Dallas. Dallas leads that series 1-0. you got the Blues against the Jets. St. Louis leads 1-0. Calgary against Colorado. Uh, there was a fight in that game as well. Cal- Calgary's Calgary. up one nothing. Great team. And the Sharks, San Jose Sharks, take game one over the Vegas Golden Knights. And Vegas is a team you can't sleep on either. Yeah. It, it's funny because everyone's uh, – I see most of the brackets on NHL.com, and most of them have the Predators and the Jets going to the Stanley Cup final. And they both lost game one at home. Which, you know, if you lose your home games, it's never good, you know? Well, Mike Smith for the Flames has just been absolutely incredible. Yeah. The, the, he the, was phenomenal in game one. The, the Flames had a great year. Uh, they did. No one predicted them to be here. And look at them. They're, they they'll have a whole playoff series. Mike Smith, the goalie from the Coyotes. Yes. Well, he used yeah. to be on the Coyotes, yeah. He used to be on the Coyotes. He used to, he used to also be terrible. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> different year makes, right? He wasn't good uh, since about, I believe, 2012. That was his last yeah. really good season. But he <sighs> played... He played phenomenal in this game. A shutout in game one? Oh, beautiful. So, the NHL draft lottery was also this week, and two teams in the tri-state area got the first two overall picks. The New Jersey Devils get the number one overall pick in this year's uh, NHL draft, and the New York Rangers get the second pick. Good for them, um, because they weren't... They, they, they weren't like a bottom five. No, so they, they were number seven or six, I believe. They fared out very fared well out, on that yeah. and who fared out great, the Chicago Blackhawks, man. Yeah. Yeah, they They're went from 13, 13 to, to, to three. Nice. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, I, I think that's it's like, good. I think it's like a 5% chance of getting that. Yeah, Colorado got screwed over in that. At, this, yeah. at this time, yep. we will predict the Stanley Cup final. We will start with our co-host who is not here tonight, James Montefusco. James picked... Yeah, he did, he did, oh he, he picked one where if this hits, this kid should be in Vegas. The if, if, Columbus if this Blue Jackets over the Nashville Predators. That is the pick of James Montefusco. But if you look at it right first, now, they're first, up 2-0. First the college basketball bracket, now this. I mean, Dawes, you got to have James with you when you start making bets. Uh, I know. I mean, well, look at him, dude. They're up, they're, Columbus is up 2-0. James could be just the smartest man alive. He's a money machine. He could be the smartest man alive. Is, is James the key to taking down Vegas? He might be, dude. Imagine Blue Jackets do it. 
Someone get James. <laughs> we got to figure this out. Kyle Earhart, you are first. Your Stanley Cup final. Uh, the one that I made it on NHL.com, I did the Boston Bruins versus the Winnipeg Jets. And I have Winnipeg Jets winning it all. But I do have the Islanders going to the Eastern Conference Finals against Boston, but, you know, we're terrible against Boston, so yep. we don't have a shot. I went to that 5-0 shutout game. <laughs> Dawes. I will take the Calgary Flames over the Maple Leafs in I like the that. finals. Stays in Canada. Of course. Stays in Canada. Love Canada. <laughs> Me too, actually. I love Toronto. Oh, Canada. A lot, a lot of mooses, eh? That was not me. I was a Canadian guy. It's random. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Kyle Rousseau. I have the Washington Capitals beating the Nashville Predators. Some fan. In the Stanley Cup. Listen, man, you have to be realistic <laughs> at one point. Optimism is great, but realism is... Sure. Wow. That's not realism. Wow. That's not realism? I mean, you can make th- cases out of every team in the West. You don't, you know. I... All right. Yeah. All right. I feel like Tom's going to say something interesting here. Oh, you know who I'm picking to win it all. It's who are they, who are they going to beat? And I got to stay with my original pick. Yeah, you have to say Tampa. Tampa Bay. And then in the West, there's a lot of good teams. But oh, yeah. uh, safe for dangerous, safe for dangerous. Winnipeg. That's okay. They're playing right now St. Louis. They're I very under I wanted to pick Calgary, but be a little dangerous. Yeah, Winnipeg is the 2. I'm kind of upset no one said the Sharks. Yeah, Calgary's going to have a very tough if they beat Colorado because they get Vegas or San Jose. Yeah, San Jose's heck of a team. Which, my thing is this. Those series are going to – they're going to beat each other up. They're not going to have enough gas for the Jets, who they're going to play the winner of Nashville-Dallas. I think they'll beat them after they come back in this series and to take it against the Blues in five. No pun intended, even though the Blues have been fantastic as of late. Yes, second half's been there. Uh, I'm still going to go with the Jets. I, I don't know what it is. There's just something about them. Patrick Laine is Patrick phenomenal. 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 Um, They're all around just a good team. Yeah, and also, um, Bufflin is just a bully. Yeah. yeah. Big fan. On Big that fan. note, any final thoughts before we log off? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Go Islanders. Yes, you know, continue, go Islanders. This. Yes. continue this. Weirdest chant ever. It, it, listen, yeah. it's weird, but as long as you keep on winning, I'm going to be screaming it. Who's in a better position right now, Devils or Islanders? I say Devils. Nah. Devils or Islanders? You say Devils? Yeah, but you guys are just going to walk into a loss in round two. We got the first How do you, pick. Dude, who knows? You have the first pick. The you have the first. Dude, you know this year was predicted to be last. No. Does we'll get James in here. He can predict the future. That is true. That is true, yes. On that note, on behalf of Kyle Russo, Kyle Earhart, and Mike Dawes, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Tune in next week when we are back on liuwave.org. But for now, for Facebook Live, for Anchor, I'm Tom Scavetta. You've been listening to Review and Preview here at LIU Studios.